JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Hey, welcome in on a Friday. It's a Bud Light Blue Friday. It is the Friday before Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. If we don't get a chance to converse over the course of this show, but we are at what is an incredibly busy northeast side, 82nd and I-69 Twin Peaks location. I mean, it is incredible here right now. The festive uh, holiday spirit has obviously hit here. So let's go. I'm looking for you, honestly, here, because we're going to have some ice cold Bud Lights. We're going to hang out, probably have some great food. I'm going to give you a chance to win some tickets. The next Colts home game is with the Raiders, so your chance to sign up and win. That would be one hell of a Christmas gift-giving idea, without a doubt, is just to come up here and go, hey, look what I got for you, honey. Look what I got for you, babe. So we come up to Castleton to Twin Peaks, and we hung out with that, that idiot JMV and listened to him talk about this and sports that and what he thinks he knows, and then we won some tickets. And then you could say, that's from me. Thank you, holiday season. Hey, we're always trying to work for you in whatever capacity humanly possible. We are once again today. It is a Bud Light Blue Friday Hey, join us up here. We have a busy show for you at Twin Peaks as well. I think Hagen's going to make an appearance here. Speaking of festive during the holiday season from Fox 59, he's going to join us coming up a little bit later on. Bottom of this hour, Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk all over the map. Considering what he's covering, considering this weekend too, with high school, we got high school games going on right now. I saw Kyle Nedenrup of the Star was covering high school games that are going on. Honestly. There is nobody but me and Dev. Right, oh, thank you, my brother. I appreciate that. That's ice cold right there. Nobody but us here would be working. Everybody out there has got the Friday off. So if you got the Friday off, join us right here. Join us right here. See if you can win. Get some great food. Ice cold Bud Light. Right? Check everything out up here if you know what I mean. I promise you're going to have an absolute blast up here with us. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is going to be back on with us in the 4 o'clock hour. Will McFadden covers the Falcons on the Believe Podcasting Network. There is a great deal of unknown regarding the Falcons, meaning nobody knows anything about the Falcons. That is a true story right here. I'm thinking so far the only thing that is well known about the Falcons is how they lost to Carolina last week. That's probably it. And that's not something you really, truly want to hang your hat on. That is legitimately probably it. It is a very nondescript, who are these players, 
What about their coach? They lost to Carolina. It is all that stuff going on right now. And really, we're going to dig deep. Here's what's funny. We talked about this yesterday. And you had the spread. The spread at first, early in the week, was a two-and-a-half-point favorite to the Colts. And then the spread moved throughout the course of the week to, I believe right now, it's two-and-a-half points given to the Colts. So we're trying to figure out exactly why. We're trying, how you doing? Good to see you. We're trying to figure out exactly why that's doing that. So we're going to get inside with Will McFadden regarding this Falcons team and why they're looking at it like that, at least the odds makers in Vegas coming up on Christmas Eve. We got Will coming on here a little bit later on. Adam Amin of Fox, he's the play-by-play man. He's going to have the call for you coming up on Sunday if you're going to watch that bad boy television-wise. Adam joins us at the 4 o'clock hour. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Like I said the other night, hey, man, the Pacers needed that. Yeah, it was a slump buster. And then they go down to Memphis last night and re-slump. Go right back into there. And let's just face it, since they played in that in-season tournament in the NBA, it's been a mess. They have been an absolute mess. And, and everybody's putting the Lakers and the Pacers together. And you know what? They're tired and guys are injured and LeBron sat out and well, whatever. The fact remains... The Lakers are still going to be the Lakers. The Lakers didn't need any of that. The Lakers went through it and won it. But as an end result, they're still going to be viewed as the Lakers. Everybody's always going out after the Lakers. But for the Pacers, they have, for the most part, on either side, unless they're playing just some really crap water competition with two wins, one in Detroit and then one the other night at home against Charlotte, they've been a mess. I will say this last night. When I was watching that Pacer game last night, I thought, wow, they came back. I thought, wow, you know what? You're digging out of that hole in the second quarter. To me, that was incredibly impressive. But then to go right back in, to have that dismal third quarter and really not have a great deal of resistance and really what the struggle was, this goes to show you why I've always been so stinking concerned if they struggle offensively, or maybe even better said, my concern has been when Rick Carlisle talked about slowing the pace down. Because slowing the pace down, I think, slows your offense down. And with what we have seen, if their offense is not clicking to a level in which we have seen and come to grow to, to really appreciate, to embrace, if it is not there, their defense is not going to be good enough to hold anybody down. So if you take away their offense, their defense is not going to be able to make it up in any other way. That's why when it was mentioned about slowing things down, we talked to Eddie Gill yesterday. I thought, I don't know if that is even a reasonable idea. I just don't think you can make that up. And we saw that again last night. They were just unable to make that up. I know it makes you wonder about the squad right now. No Jalen Smith last night. Of course, that was planned. Andrew Nimhart, he was back. But there was a lot of struggling going on and a lot of struggling on the offensive end, a lot of struggling in terms of making threes. And uh, let's just face it, in Memphis last night, it was a party for the return of Ja Morant. Uh, You had Bain knocked down, what, 31 points worth, I think, last night, too. Jaron Jackson Jr. looked good. It just was. And I know that everybody kind of thought this going in. Really, when they got down 23 early in that game, you thought, all right, that's how this team has looked. It's the second of a back-to-back. 
And I think you're probably more surprised when they came back. Uh, the problem is they still got beat. And the problem is you need to wiggle free of whatever you are right now. I, I guess in terms of who they are, is it more about being tired? Is that that excuse? Because I don't really buy it. I think it's more of the Pacers becoming maybe who they were, unfortunately. They not have much more of a ceiling than what we thought. Was a lot of that good fortune playing up in the moment to Boston and Milwaukee? Those are some of the questions we'll ask and talk about again with Mike Wells coming up a little bit later on. And I, I really related that to IU with the Pacers the other night needed Charlotte and they needed that slump buster. It didn't help last night, but it did the other night. And IU needed that with North Alabama too. I don't know what direction you can plan on them going. And I know that a lot of the people that cover IU stuff, it, it's kind of funny. If, if you cover IU, and I've always said, man, get your footprint out there. If you want to write a blog, if you want to be a part of a podcast, go out there and do it. I don't make fun of these guys. I don't really call these guys out. But I always find it kind of funny when it's almost like when you, when you get a blog in that capacity, it's like hey, we're the only ones that are allowed uh, because we are so dialed in to that and nothing else. We're the only ones that are allowed to be critical of it. You know, some of the blogs, some of the podcasts here, and when, when we're watching and doing this every day, well, you know what? You don't cover it as hard as we do. Well, I think we all watch it and cover it well enough to understand that what they have right now is just unreasonable against better teams. Now, I don't know if that's going to change. I don't know if that's capable of changing. I don't know if that's going to change when Xavier Johnson gets back, if he does get back, when he does get back. I don't know how much of that is going to change. But there is a potential of growth. I like Mbako a great deal. Why wouldn't you? I just don't know how much growth you're going to get. It just seems like that this team, and maybe you can fashion that with a comparison to the Pacers too. It just kind of seems like this team as of right now, it is what you're going to see. Now, there is a bit of an advantage if you want to call it that because this team is going to play in the Big Ten and you have a variety of teams that are tremendous question marks. I mean, really across the board, if you look at the Big Ten, there's really only one team, is there not? One team, and you go, all right, this team is head and shoulders above. I mean, you'll have some others like nipping at the heels of Purdue, right? You'll have some others like Illinois probably will do that. I don't know about Wisconsin. I guess they have the capability of doing that. But you're going to have some, yeah, maybe Michigan State when it's said and done because it seems like they always do like nipping at the heels, but all in all, you should, even if you're IU and you really don't know what you are, you really don't know where you're going, you just hope to evolve in some form or fashion and hope that Mike Woodson can do that for you as the Big Ten starts, you can take advantage of teams that are questionable just like you. And that's the issue that the Pacers are going to have because where they want to get there aren't any teams questionable like they are. I think we feel rather secure with what we see, right, in the hierarchy of the NBA Eastern Conference right now. I mean, you can say what you want about Philadelphia and what they may or might, may not do regarding Zach Levine. You know, that's the hot topic going on right now. I mean, hell, that's all they need, right? Yeah, Joel Embiid. I can't stand the former Kansas big man, but my goodness. Everybody makes fun of when Miles gives up 51 or 50-plus to Embiid. Did you watch Rudy Gobert and his act? 
I mean, that's just what Embiid does. They're good. You look at Boston, they're at the top. I mean, you factor in Miami as always, just good, well-coached. I mean, the Knicks are right there as well. I don't know where Cleveland's going to end up going with this in mind, nor Atlanta for that matter. But that's just kind of how you the Easter Conference is kind of set to where we want to see the Pacers go. But again, there's no reason why you can't be better and work yourself in outside that particular hierarchy. I think everybody around here would be incredibly happy about it if you're able to do so. Now, we'll talk about that with a variety of folks, including Mike Wells, coming up a little bit later on. But a comparison I want to make to IU basketball and where they're going, where they are, where they're going, and that to the Pacers of where they are and where they're going. I think the, the, the real difference in that comparison is the Pacers have actually shown a couple of different times that they're capable of doing work against what is better teams and what will be better teams. And IU has yet to show that. In different levels, a comparison can be made. Colts and the Falcons coming up on Sunday on Christmas Eve. And again, 10 a.m., that is the Colts pregame huddle. I got you. I think Gorman, myself, Bill Brooks in studio for it down in Atlanta is the matchup. We'll talk about that with Will McFadden coming up a little bit later on. But the good news today, and it's not like you needed any other reasons, did you? You did not need any other reasons to want to make sure that Michael Pittman Jr. is back here. Uh, We've gone over this a number of times. I mean, we wear one another out with these particular opinions. Michael Pittman Jr., is he a number one? How can you pay him if he is not a number one? I don't know what you want to call. I guess you call Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and guys like that ones, and he's certainly not a blazer in that capacity but he is a number one essential for this football team. That easy enough to say? I know that he is up near the top in catches, but he's much lower in terms of yardage with those catches. But he is a number one essential with this team, and it's transferable. It's not just Gardner Menchu who relies on him heavily. It's going to be Anthony Richardson who relies on him heavily. That is going to be necessary. You can pull up that chair if you want to, slide over there, hang out. So he's the number one. And another reason, we say this all the time, and I don't even know if we mean it half the time. The best ability of a player is what they say. It is, there's Chris Hagan right next to me. It is availability. My man missed the second half. And looked like he was going to be ripped in half and maybe not play again this year. And he clears concussion protocol and looks good to go. So he missed, what, basically the second half. He is an absolute badass. So not only is he a number one for this team, he is a a necessity long term. He is somebody you can count on. This team needs guys you can count on. Let's count them right now. How many guys can you count on? You can count on me, John. You can count on me. What's a theme song of? Silver Spoons. My Two Dads, I same believe. Thing, right? Same thing. Same damn thing. You can count on me. What's that? Oh, he's out? Oh, he's, oh, I he's know. out That's of concussion what I'm ta- protocol. That's what I'm talking about right now, Landon. What the hell are you doing? That's what I'm talking about. No, he's essential because he basically missed the second half. And when people bring him up longer term... There's always that question about, well, is he a number one? 
And Chris, what I've said, Chris Haggard of Fox 59 joins us. He's a number one for this team. He's oh, yeah. an essential piece. He's a prioritized piece that you don't think about letting hit the open market. Don't think about it. That's why I think, and when I was in Germany talking to uh, name drop Stacy Dales from NFL Network, she yes. was the first one who said this that I'd heard, and now I'm hearing it more and more. She said he, Steichen should be in the discussion for coach of the year. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, well, I never really thought about that because when you have a team that's, you know, tinkering around 500 mark, and then you look at all they've dealt with, I mean, quarterback, you're going to build the franchise around this quarterback. He's out. Taylor doesn't start the season. You get Taylor back, he gets hurt. Uh, all these things, you have suspensions of key people. And then here they are. They got three games left. They're one win away from having a win no, season. It's incredible. We, you yeah. and I were talking. I said, I think they'll win six games. I said under six and a half is what I yeah. said. Now, I people said, make fun of me all the time. And I thought, hey, jackass, let me see what you had them do. Yeah, let's, uh, did let you, me hear about had it. Had you already booked your trip to Vegas exactly. for the Super Bowl? Uh, that's what's amazing. about. And I, to your point, is he a number one anywhere else? I don't know. He's a, he's a number one here because getting back to the point about Steichen is whoever he's had out there, be it Richardson, Minshew, you know, Pittman, Pierce, He's made the most of them. He's put these guys in position to make plays and to win games. And so I, I think no matter what happens with the rest of this season, if you somehow win the division or get a wild card spot, if you, if you don't win another game, I think you have to be tremendously excited about the head coach they have in Shane Steichen. We, you know, we knew he was all ball. We knew he was, he, he was a guy, you know, a guru. And he's brought it. He's shown me every week. He's shown me something like, oh, I didn't think of that. Or little little tiny details he'll do like, whoa, that, that clever things you'll see that you're like, okay, th- this guy is awesome. And you start getting everybody healthy. You start getting in kind of guys to fit what he wants to do. And I, I think the sky's the limit, especially when you look at this division. You thought, well, the Jags are going to run away with this and win five in a row. You're like, well, maybe not. Now, here's what is interesting and exciting for me is you look in this division what is Trevor Lawrence like in his just third year, second or third year for Lawrence? Yeah. yeah. You got rookie C.J. Stroud. You got rookie Will Levis. And then you're going to have, you know, .75 rookie starting next year in uh, Anthony Richardson. This could turn into one of those divisions over the years we've seen that, my man, that division's always going to be a bloodbath because you build things around quarterbacks and you'd like to see Richardson built on what he's done. You look at the head coaching. You look at what um, – what they're doing down in Houston now, what you're doing here in Indy. And this the AFC South can go from being a punchline where it's always kind of been a one-trick pony to like, hey, look out. This might be one of those divisions where they, they can put two or three teams in the playoffs in the years to come. And what I mean with Michael Pittman Jr., Chris Hagan joins us at Fox 59. Is, that was kind of a tangent I went it, off on. No, no, no that's Michael okay, Pitt though, Jr. because what, what I'm saying about him is he's somebody you can, you can count on that's going to be they, – they need more guys like that because how many guys – do you feel that you know? I mean, he, DeForest Buckner. Yeah. I mean, how many of these dudes have let them down this season? I, I shouldn't say let them down in terms of, you know, somebody that's been injured. But they went through six games and, you know, survived that without Grover Stewart. You know, now you got two knuckleheads for whatever reason, you know, get suspended for the remainder of the season in McKenzie and Brown. Um, you know, again, useful in their own way. But you have to have guys – that are going to play at a high level and give you what you want. And this not only is something that you see that is relatable to Gardner Minshew right now, but that's also going to be relatable to Anthony Richardson when he is finally healthy for a couple of minutes. Yeah. I mean, that, that is something that you just I, 
I know a lot of people say, I wish he was fast and quick and yak and yardage after the catch and all that. And I say, you know what I wish? I, I wish that the quarterback that's supposed to be throwing to him was out there throwing to him right now. Oh, yeah. Because he is going to be there for him. you got to get other guys that are just like him that are going to be out there and you can count on as well. If you had to give me one guy on each side of the ball on defense, I'm saying Zaire Franklin. And on offense, I'm saying Pittman. I mean, think of all the things he's done. The catches he's made, the hits he's taken, the dirty work he's done. And I, I pay a lot more attention to him, perhaps his stat-wise, because he's on my fantasy team. And from, you know, from start to finish, there'll be some games where he's got nothing. And then on one drive, he'll catch five passes for 72 yards. He's a guy you can depend on. He, he can run routes. He can get, he's a big, strong, as Jim Moore used to say, physical. He's, he's big. He's physical. Uh, yeah, and I, 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 don't you miss Jim Moore's press conference? Jim Moore was pretty awesome. I had no doubt about it. I, I, I saw him, uh, my two favorite Jim Moore stories. Um, one, it was, uh, he wore a sweater into the press conference and it looked like it had the Mardi Gras colors. You know, he coached in New Orleans. Yeah. I said, uh, I said Coach, uh, you got your Mardi Gras sweater on. And he looked down and he goes, have you ever been to Mardi Gras? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I tell you what, that's crazy. That like something else is like, yeah, I know. I, I've been to, and the best thing you said. That's what was, they say. Yeah. I saw a, uh, this was, I, I grew up in Birmingham, as you know, hence my Beham shirt. I know you're trying to figure out what it was. I was, was. trying to figure out what that meant. So I was a Birmingham Be-ham. stallion. Beham. The original Birmingham stallions, you know, he coached the Philadelphia stars. So when you work at a TV station, they'll send, it used to be, they'd send down this big satellite feed of all the things like here's highlights from this game. For whatever reason, if somebody had requested something, it would say, you know, special request for whatever station. And it was high, it was him coaching on the sidelines for the Philadelphia stars. So the next day I'm at training camp. And I said, uh, I said, coach, yesterday I saw a bunch of video of you coaching the Philadelphia stars. I said, but I grew up a, a Birmingham stallions fan. And he, he goes, I tell you what, we really got screwed down there in uh, in 1985. There was a they called holding. Uh, we were driving. For the, like, he just launches into a story about how the stars had been screwed by the Birmingham Stallions. So that's how you know coaches. They, they, it's amazing how and players are like they'll remember exact moments and exact details. And those games, those those moments will haunt them for years to come. But, but Mora was great. He everybody of course remembers the playoffs. Play, but on a daily basis, he would say something really funny and really – not knowing if he was meaning to be funny, but I was always laughing with him, not at him, because he, he had a, a great football mind. Before we had a break, obviously you're from the South with your Beham thing. Yeah. So yeah. you probably know a little bit more regarding the Atlanta Falcons. Well, McFadden joins us a little bit later to get more insight. We're talking about running backs, and then they have a, a really talented tight end, made a change in quarterback, which – I think yeah, that's right. why the line flipped. Because of Taylor Heineke? Yeah. Cause it because kinda, it kind of when, – when rumblings were coming about they were going to make the switch before it was made official, that's when the line moved. Then they made it official, and it moved a little bit more. Have they been I, starting the wrong dude I, then? That, well, that's what you think. Or is this because of last year with the commanders? Well, I, well I you know, I don't work for the sports books, John. I'm, I'm just, just telling, wonder. I'm telling you the timing Hell, I of how that Hell, I thought Gardner Minshew may have been sick yesterday. And, a, and another tidbit, yeah. another tidbit, uh, do you have a 100% healthy Matt Gay? When you have a game like this that's viewed as a toss-up, you know who's gonna if you got if you got a forty-nine yard field goal to win it, you don't have a hundred percent Matt Gay. Are you are you hundred you know are you confident that he's gonna go out there and kick the, it? the number flips like that on a kicker? Oh yeah, 
It flips on everything. It's like the stock market. I just have, thought that number was something that was like quarterback worthy. I didn't think it was kicker worthy. Did, did you worthy. not see that the other night when Texas uh, San Antonio, <laughs> there was rumors that the quarterback wasn't like their all-time stud quarterback. That line was, they were favored by 13 and a half. Rumblings that morning, he might not play. That line by game time had gone to seven. It moved six points. because. <laughs> so you know he had told somebody, hey, yeah, I'm not playing. And as soon as he told that, <laughs> boom. I'm going to tell you, it takes about five minutes oh for, my Vegas, God. Some, somebody, for Vegas to get a hold of it. Somebody yeah. that in the know put 200 grand uh, in, in that line went, <laughs> beep. So, yeah, you act like you know. That's why, they, that's why the teams have to put out factual information on the injury report. Because that was long before there was legalized gambling here and a lot of other places. Because that would move a line. Certain life, you know. Hey, I told my uncle Joe that this is going to happen, and he told his guy he works with, and he knows a guy that likes to gamble. So all, whenever those, they track all that, and they can see with those. So I guarantee you, heavy action from Texas moved that line because he had told it was going to be a yep. game time decision. But he, knew, the kid, knew and told somebody, "Yeah, I ain't playing." So there you go. There That's goes the line, six points. Hagan right there. All right, before I hit a break, we got to go to one really quickly here. But do you know what these two knuckleheads did to get suspended? I, I don't know the exact details. Well, do, if, do, if do they're close, know, go ahead. Do you know the exact details? I, I kind of got a, a little hint. Are we, are we In still, locker room situation? Are we, are we still on the air? Do or people, out of locker room situation? I'm not going to say anything. Give me trouble. locker room or out locker room? I'm not saying anything. Why, why, By the way, you can watch just, the Colts uh, this Sunday just, on Fox 59. I want to know, though, and I know it's just a professional curiosity playing, but I want to know because it sounds to me like with whatever they did, this is as tight-lipped organizationally as anybody has been regarding this. I kind of wonder just how bad it would make the organization look if it got out. Is that... Why they're going to the extremes to keep this under wraps? Because nobody. Maybe is it because nobody gives a crap about these two guys? <laughs> well, is that the other part? Put it this way: if if this was, uh, I'm not going to say names because people will get. If it was your starting defensive tackle and your starting running back, would the would would this same suspension have come down for the for two guys like that instead of these guys kind of role players, a, a special well, teamer and a, a yeah. returner. Well, then why not say, why not just say, all right, this is what happened and end all the mystery yeah. and the professional curiosity. Just curious. Well, in a way to kind of protect them too, because they're not suspended for the postseason. It's just for the, the final three games of the regular season. Well, you just suspended them. How are you trying to protect yeah. them? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you want to have, you know, when you're not saying anything, I, I think we're going to have to uh, beat it out of you a little bit. Later. I think comes things that happen in the locker room. I think that's kind of a, a code. Yeah, we'll keep it in the locker. So you're saying it happened in the locker. No, no, I'm saying oh. things. You know the uh, the expression, <laughs> the the royal we. You know things that happen <laughs> within the team construct stays yeah. within the team. Hey, you got to get to Twin Peaks because we have tickets to give away for that next Colts home game against the Raiders. Get signed up for that too. The place is absolutely packed right now. And hey, let's just face it: if you're thinking about going west on 82nd Street. Don't do it. Just pull in this parking lot and hang out. That's with why us. I was late. Have an ice cold Bud Light. Eat some great food. Jim McCann from Southern California is in the house today. So come over and join us. We're right here in front of the fireplace. Chris Hagan, JMV, quick break. Level on the other side. Wells, top of the hour. Adam Amin of Fox. You can see that game on Fox on Sunday, and you're going to hear the play-by-play call of Adam Amin. He joins us later on. Will McFadden, Malie Podcasting Network, covers the Falcons. And Don Fisher also coming up, too.
On a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair. <laughs> Warm smell of colitas rising up through the air. Do you practice that with Hotel California doing? No, I, I, I can't do imitations now, on the if, spot. It has if to just you hit me. did that leading in to Don, would he like that or be pissy about it? I think that? he'd like it. Don, okay. Don's funnier than you give him credit for. Yeah, he is. Quick break. We'll come back. Twin Peaks, northeast side, 82nd and I-69. Hey, get here on a Bud Light Blue Friday. We'd love to see you. 93.5107.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Fan. All right, Hagen, this sounds like wham. Last Christmas, I did gave you, my heart. Did you watch the uh, wham documentary on Netflix? I've seen a little bit of it, not all of it. Well, if you haven't watched it, spoiler alert, he goes and writes this song like yeah. in five minutes. He comes back right. and tells Andrew Ridgely, this is our. We're going to have four number one songs this year. This yeah. is, this will be number one. So they record it. It gets put out. We're, it's going to go. All of a sudden, after that, he they want to do. Do they know it's Christmas? From yeah, Band Aid. So that takes over number one, and uh, last Christmas can only get to number two. <laughs> so he even says that when they're recording, he's like, "I'm I'm afraid that this is going to prevent me from having my four number one songs." So it didn't get to number one until like a couple years ago when that movie came out and stuff. So you know. 35 years later, whatever, it finally got to number one. So he was right. It was going to be a number one song. I think the personal life really got in the way with George Michael being considered, as he should be, as one of the greatest to ever do it. Seriously. And, and that's one thing that he wanted to be taken seriously for is yes. a songwriter. Yeah. And so Elton John came back and said, you know, you, you got to look at the, the lyrics and things he wrote. Because he started off as kind of a yep. this kind of, but when he went solo, some of those lyrics were really deep. And uh, yeah, t- just a talented guy, sing, dance, write. Well, he rapped. He rapped in that song "Bad Boys." Yeah, with Wham, Wham, and uh, what? Nineteen eighty-three. I think it's it's in sixteen candles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we watched the video after we watched the documentary, and I told Chris Woodlock, I go, "Well, how much do I got to pay you for me and you to dress up like George and Andrew Ridgely <laughs> and do one of the Blue Zones airing at eleven thirty a.m. By the way, CBS four. I'll I'm- be live in Atlanta for oh, the game. Oh, you're going? Are I'll you? be down there. And don't tell my mom this if if you know her. I'm going from uh, Atlanta over to Birmingham to see my mom on Christmas Eve. And surprise her, I haven't seen her in person on Christmas in more than 20 years. Wow. So hopefully she doesn't have a a grabber when she's – I'm sure she'll say, I don't have any gifts for you. But that's fine. Yes. The gift will be to see Well, look at you. What a great son. Let's see how it goes. But, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about uh, being down there for the game. Uh, It's great to be playing meaningful games this time of year, and that's what they're doing. But let's uh, let's get on here with Coach. You got it on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highlight. Hey, by the way, too, before I bring Bob Lovell on here, um, my favorite Christmas cookie is the sugar cookie with the Hershey's Kiss in the middle of it. Is anybody out there able to bake some right now and send it? How, how long will that take? Can you bake those and bring them up here? Because I really need those. Those are my favorite. I have not had one yet this holiday season. The Hershey's Kiss right in the middle of the sugar cookie. 
Somebody, or you can make it a peanut butter cookie and put the Hershey's Kiss in there, too. I get some peanut butter in my chocolate, which is awesome. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Thank you very much if you are able to do that. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk joins us. I'm assuming, Bob, I didn't even ask you that you're unable to get that done in time by the end of the show, correct? You, can't you know, I'm going to try my best, John, to get in the kitchen and bake, bake you a cookie or cookies. Um, you know, it's the least I can do to help you in your time of need aren't aren't those the best though whether it's a sugar cookie or a peanut butter cookie and put that hershey's kiss right in the middle of it those are those are really good i'm not gonna lie those are those are strong i will i will grab those before any other holiday season cookie every time well every time you can't say no to that that's um that's just not fair quite frankly and so if I if I had uh, any skill whatsoever as a baker, I'd help you out, but I think you're going to be sadly disappointed. I know you got a busy show tonight. You got one coming up tomorrow. It's it's probably an odd time of year for you because I mean a lot of what you're going to be talking about tonight is going on right now. High school basketball wise, both girls and boys, there's stuff going on right now around the state of Indiana, which always makes it pretty interesting this time of year. It's a cool time of year for a number of reasons, not the least of which is, is basketball all the time, all day long, quite frankly, with the number of in-season tournaments you have for both boys and girls. And, you know, if you're, you're, the family's into wrestling and swimming, all those things are going on right now in the winter season for the IHSAA. But uh, boys and girls basketball, holiday tournaments all around. You have some one-day type of shootouts. You have multi-day uh, tournaments, uh, and yeah, you, you'll get like a 9.45, 10 o'clock start in the morning, and it'll go all, um, 8 o'clock start at night, so you got a lot of basketball, plenty of things going on, some really good games, some really good teams, and uh, you know, it's holiday time, so time kind of stands still, and you're able to get out and have some fun. To Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk with us. See, there's so many different stories in terms of, I guess, 4A, right? With, you know, Fishers, with Westfield, with you know, uh, LN, uh, Noblesville, obviously. Um, who else am I thinking of here? I mean, I know Kokomo has a couple of losses, but they always have that target, you know, considering who's at the top of their list on that squad. There are a lot of good 4A squads. And, uh, I mean, you look at, at the level of competition at the top of that list right there, it's pretty robust. It is robust. Uh, you know, Fisher Center Grove tonight may be the best game around. Um, you know, that's number one versus Center Grove, who's been ranked number one at various times this year. Uh, Lawrence North, as you pointed out, playing Southport. You forgot Cathedral uh, playing Carmel. Yep. Carmel not having the year that they normally have, but still a very dangerous team. Um, Kokomo with Flory Badunga is the, is everybody, if you haven't seen him, you need to watch him. I'm especially enamored with my Plainfield Quakers. They're ranked 13th. They're playing Mount Vernon tonight. So, um, so you know, Attics, uh, Brownsburg, really, really good teams. Danville's ranked number one in 3A. So all up and down, John, you have some really, really good basketball teams here in central Indiana. Yeah, I mean, the defending champion, Ben Davis Giants, I know a couple of losses there. Uh, I'm assuming getting ready to start here about 4.30 against some team from right. Pinson Valley, Alabama, where all those hillbillies yeah. are from there. Where's that? Hey, yeah, hey you know, jump on here because you're one of those hillbillies I'm talking about. Yeah. Where's Pinson yeah. Valley, Alabama? 
It's a uh, suburb of uh, Birmingham. It was a rival of, of Hewitt Trustville. What's that, Bob? I'm not up on my – Chris is the guy. I mean, he's, he's got that Southern geography better than you and I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We played, we played, against, we played against Pinson Valley. It's uh, not far outside of Birmingham. You know Bo Nix? Yeah. His yeah, dad yeah. went to Pinson Valley. Patrick Nix before he went and played at, uh, at Auburn. So there's your, there's your information. And now he's at Oregon. Or exactly. has been. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, Bob. Good to see you, Bob. Chris, very Chris. There's your Alabama <laughs> geography update right there. Bob Level, <laughs> Indiana that. Sports Talk. You needed great. that, right? <laughs> you have to join me tonight and help me uh, explain that to a whole state. Just exactly uh, Yeah, I, I think I can remember. All I got to do is call me because I'm, I'm doing Jack Squat later on tonight, I don't think. Tomorrow's <laughs> going to be interesting, but uh, Jack, Jack Squat is what is going to be coming up for uh, certainly the next couple of days until Sunday we get things going. But um, hey, as far as the classes are concerned, you mentioned those at the top of the list in 4A. 3A, 2A, and Class A, who's been the most impressive to you as we approach now the holiday season, which is, is essentially, you know, you get down to business in your right. conference most of the time coming up after Christmas. Who's been the standouts to you in those classes? Well, I mean, you start in 1A. It's Greenwood Christian Academy who you know started out unranked at the start of the year, and they had – they put together a really, really solid, solid season to this point. Clearly, being ranked number one, one A is—I um, mean, it's, it's populated, at the, you know, in the polls down in southwestern yeah. Indiana. If you think about it, Lagodi's ranked number yep. two. Evansville Christian is really, really good. Bar Reeve, Clay City, how am I doing? And then you have the GCA kind of sneaks in there at number one. So that's a—that I mean, really is a tremendous story. To be honest, Jackson Williams is doing a great job. I think his second, third year there, he's um, got a really solid group that um, doesn't beat themselves. 2A has been Wapahani all year long. They return a bunch of guys from a team that uh, they felt like could uh, make a run to the state uh, to the state championship. And so they're a senior-laden team, and they're really, really good. Uh, ranked number one, Brownstown Central, Tipton, uh, Blackhawk, those guys. Brassdown Central with Jack Benner, who's headed to Purdue. Everyone has to know about him if they don't already. And then uh, Tipton uh, is a team that's just uh, coached by Cliff Hawkins, a veteran coach who's really, really good at what he does. John, your guys at Linton Stockton, they're still ranked in the top ten in, in 2A. And then uh, we, we mentioned uh, 4A and 3A. It's just um, – you know, Danville, Burbuff, Jesuit, Garen Catholic, um, those are your top three teams in 3A, not coincidentally, obviously, here in central Indiana. So um, there are plenty of really, really good teams. You, you take a look. I think, quite frankly, most of those teams who are ranked number one in the uh, 1A, 2A, 3A might be surprises if you looked at where they were at the start of the year. So uh, they're playing great, and uh, they're where they need to be. Bob Lovell joins us, Indiana Sports Talk, tonight, tomorrow night. He'll run down all these holiday tournaments and these teams that are playing, like I mentioned, Ben Davis, in the afternoon. And certainly each class will be represented. He'll talk about that and then move on to the collegiate ranks. And with the teams we most talk about around here, especially with the state of Indiana, I don't think people at all are surprised about the success of Purdue. I don't think anybody's no. really surprised about some of the struggles we've seen out of IU. Maybe a little bit surprised, I guess, with the turnaround in year number two of Thad Mata at Butler. 
Yeah, and certainly we, we have seen good points with Michael Lewis and Ball State. Notre Dame's been a flat mess up in South mm-hmm. Bend. But mm-hmm. might, might we look over in Vigo County to Terre Haute as the biggest surprise to this point? Josh Schertz's yeah. Sycamores with the work that they yeah. put in, Bob, so far this year? No question. Uh, I mean, they're, they're phenomenal. Not just because you're a friend of mine and you happen to be on the air. Uh, yeah. Look at their story. They've only lost one. Um, you know, you, the things you say about that and what he's done at Butler, you have to say the same, thing, same things about Josh Schertz. A two-year turnaround, a turnaround of that magnitude in two years is pretty hard to do. I've, I've been around it, um, and, and I understand turning things around. Uh, so I understand – how that works and, you know, with the portal, things can you can get lucky and things can happen quicker. But uh, Indiana State, you know, I had, I did a game of theirs on TV a year ago. Uh, walked out of there thinking I really like what they're doing. I really like how they play, and they've just continued it. Robbie Avila, you and I've talked about him before. He's a unique player. He may he could be conference player of the year. He's a hard matchup, and he makes him go. They've got all all their guys, John, can put it on the deck, go to the rim, score in traffic, knock down three. Uh, they're a hard, hard team to match up with. And so it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal turnaround in a short amount of time for your alma mater. I'm telling you, he has been he has been good in the times we have talked about the understanding it takes to live in the world of NIL and the transfer portal. And to be a mid-major in Terre Haute, Indiana, in the Missouri Valley, like what he has right now, I mean, a phenomenal understanding of how to deal with it, right? I mean, it is. I mean, all these coaches, I don't don't know how they do it. It would drive me nuts. You have to re-recruit every single year, absolutely everybody. And then add, and you know it's going to be subtracted. Honestly, I enjoy it because I love basketball. I think college basketball is a stinking mess. To be honest with you, I just think it is. But I, I love it. I would just, I love yeah. because I love basketball. But I'm right. like I'm easy to get, right, Bob? I'm easy to get because I love basketball. But I don't know. There are probably others that are dropping off. Going, my God, it is. Uh, you get such a change that drives everybody nuts. I. It just seems like more of a mess than anything else most of the time. But until you until you turn on the TV and you watch a game and you watch people play and make plays, you know, like. If you'd go over to Terre Haute and watch the Sycamores play, you'd come out of there thinking, I, I still love college basketball. And, yeah, for all the, all the things that go on outside the black lines, it, that does drive you a little bit crazy. But inside the lines, John, college basketball is alive and well. And there's some really, really good teams, not just here in Indiana. I mean, Purdue, Indiana State, Ball State, really great stories to start with. Indiana Wesleyan is still really good. Marion and the NAI start going up and down the list. So um, I, I, I agree with you. I'm glad I do radio now um, and not coach. I've been out of it for a long time, obviously. But still, uh, go out there. And, and when you're able to watch these people uh, in action and watch what the coaches are doing, uh, the game is still being played at a very, very high level, especially in our state. So what I was watching Kentucky and Louisville last night, Louisville's a joke. Not yeah, God. You talk about a mess. <laughs> I oh, mean, my how bad? They're terrible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. who in the world. Are, how have they won games looking like that? Well, they haven't won. They're awful. Many. That's the big thing. Yeah. yeah. And they're, and they're not going to. That's part of the uh, the bigger problem is they're just 
they're fundamentally not very good. Um, yeah. Talented players haven't played to what people thought they would. Uh, they are in a downward spiral, and I'm not sure how you stop it. It's a Bob Lovell Indiana sports talk tonight and tomorrow night as well. And if you feel like you can and maybe you get some of those cookies baked, I'll stop by your place <laughs> on my way home and grab them. Just so you know. And and if you can wrap them up in, in heavy plastic wrap in a, right. a plastic in a, in a paper plate, that's how I take yeah. mine right there. Okay. You, yeah. Thank God you don't want too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Hey, have a merry Christmas, you and the you fam, too, and we'll do it again next week and uh, talk it up and our final show before together before the new year. Appreciate you, Bob. You're welcome. Thanks, John. Merry Christmas. Right back at you. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk. You know, Chris Hagan rejoins now. We're live at Twin Peaks, Bud Light Blue Friday. You've got to get here. This place is packed and absolutely a blast. I, I pointed this out at the TV as we were talking. Did you see the Mint wallet? Yeah, I like that. Wallet? Look at this wallet right here. Wow. This is the Costanza wallet. Have you guys ever seen the Costanza? No, no wonder you have scoliosis from sitting on that I, thing. I never keep it. I never keep it in. Yeah, here it is. Hit a break because I got a surprise well, caller on the other side. God darn it. Really? Yep. Uh, this is the George Costanza wallet. What do you guys think if you're watching via YouTube live? It looks like a thick burger. I need a change right here. There's more cow there than there. That episode of Seinfeld. Would you hurry up? I the got Costanza. a special right. caller. Quick break. We'll come back. Bud Light Blue Friday, Twin Peaks Northeast Side, 93.5107. Find the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hey, welcome back. Twin Peaks, Northeast Side, Bud Light Blue Friday, Colts and Raiders tickets to give away while we're here, too. You two brings us back. Happy holidays to you. JMV and Chris Hagan. Chris? John, it's Christmas time. I got a Christmas present for you. Love it. Your favorite all-time player, Walter Payton. His son, the only person I've ever babysat in my whole life. Now he's my co-anchor. He's Jared Payton, and he's on the line right now. Say hello, JP to JMV. What's going on, fellas? How you doing? Jared, it is a pleasure to have you on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, I, I was uh, the absolute biggest fan of your father, which I know you probably hear that every single day, and you should, because that is the forever, the lasting impression he left on, on so many. Still to this day, every poster, every Sears uniform jersey, all of it. Absolutely amazing. It's a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, yeah, you know, Chris and I, we have a relationship. We, we you know, do a show together every single uh, day during the football season, and then we, we cap it off at the end of the year at the Super Bowl. And, I mean, the, the stories that – we both here because Chris is with me and it literally happens every single day. Someone having, you know, a story about when they met my dad and it's more about the stuff off the field than it is on the field. You know, it's uh, the stuff where he met somebody at a, at a grocery store or he helped fix somebody's tire on his way to soldier field on, on a game day on a Sunday. And it's those moments 
that really kind of bring me back to, to really see what kind of man he was. He was a great football player, but even a greater person. Jared is the son of sweetness. I call him it all the time. That's awesome. And one time without telling him, I started singing the Super Bowl shuffle. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Jared knew every word and broke it out even better than I could, <laughs> which is hard to believe. JP, the reason I wanted to talk to you, quick plug, we do the show every week. JP picks three games every week. Peyton's yeah. picks. He is 30 and 15. That is his record. He went 3-0 and last week. You need to log on and watch the show, Big Game Bound. But here's what I want to ask. Jared, last night I watched the documentary on Barry Sanders. I don't know if you saw that, but a lot of talk was, you know, comparing him to your dad, and he was flirting with catching up with uh, Walter's record. Do you remember anything about what your dad thought about Barry and him approaching that record? What were his thoughts on, on what Barry was doing on the field? You know, Chris, he, uh, my, he, my dad was really all about uh, records. He always say records are made to be broken. And I, I knew that when he broke Jim Brown's record, what it meant to him because of just being a historian of the game, but also as well just being that guy that truly loved the game of football and put everything into it. And so when he knew that, you know, Barry was creeping up at some point, he knew – and I think he respected it because he knew what Barry was all about and he knew what kind of football player he was. So he didn't have any issues with it. But I'll tell you what, I am super blessed to be able to have a guy like Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, who did end up breaking my dad's record, who are both like, you know, uncles to me, who I can call on any single day, any day that I need them, any time that I need them, they're there for me. And so it's like this running back these running back uncles that I have that are all goats and I can call them up anytime. And um, they've all looked out for me ever since my dad passed. So I'm, I'm, I'm truly blessed. Jared Payton's on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. Do you um, still keep updated with a lot of your, your dad's teammates, especially those 85 bears teammates? Yeah, I you know, a lot of them. Matt Suey and my dad were really good friends. He was my dad's fullback. So I talked to him pretty much almost once every single month we have a conversation. Um, the funny part about this, man, is that the one person that if you would have told me would have been that guy from that 85 team that would have looked that looked out for me, that calls me all the time, that texts me all the time, anytime he comes into town or just to check up on me, if you would have told me that Jim McMahon would have been that guy, I would have told you you're crazy. And Jim has really been a, a big factor for me anytime that I need him as well. Just talking with him and his relationship with my dad, um, they were so close. And um, also, it's not talking right now anymore, but Steve McMichael, um, another yeah. guy who is battling ALS right now. And you know, I don't know if everybody, all the indie fans know, but uh, yep. he, he has asked me if he does get into the Hall of Fame to do his induction speech. So, oh, um, wow. yeah, so I will, I will be, I don't know how many people have, and you guys could probably look this up, but I don't know if there's anybody, how many people have done it multiple times, but, you know, being the first kid to induct his father, you know, back in, in the nineties, uh, doing it again, it's, uh, it seems like it's coming all around full circle for me. So if I do get that opportunity, uh, it's going to be an honor. Jarrett Payton, nobody better. He'll be out there at the Super Bowl with me. I want to get him back on here again when we have a little bit of time. Jarrett doesn't have time for you, hey. okay? <laughs> hey, I do. We'll be out I always there got time. Listen, the award. If we're talking, up, if we're talking Bears and Colts, if we're talking Bears and Colts, we can always talk about some stuff. You know what I'm saying? So you can always have me back. 
I got to get him back on. We'll I got, I've got on. A, a ton of stuff to have. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we'll be out there at the Super Bowl again. The Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, the most prestigious honor in all the game. And, of course, last year we had Jim McMahon live with us. Yeah. He dropped a couple cuss words we cool. got in trouble for, but it was fun. Hey, JP, <laughs> thanks for dropping by. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. And, as usual, I will see you next week for more of Payton's Picks. All right, guys. Have a good one, and uh, happy holidays. Yeah, Merry Christmas to Jared Payton. That was awesome. Was that a Christmas gift to me right there? It was. Thank you very much. Oh, man, that's great. Quick break. Come back. We got to bring Jared Payton back on the show at some point with Chris again. Twin Peaks Northeast Side, Bud Light Blue Friday. Mike Wells and more on the other side. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Side Nathaniel's running things. Dev's the onside engineer. Got Colts, Raiders tickets to give away. JMV here. Thank you for joining us. Happy holidays. You're not going to be too happy if you head too far west here on 82nd, 86th Street, whatever. Because it is jammed up over there. But, man, love having you guys here. Chris Hagen of Fox 59 as well. And thanks to Chris Hagen for bringing on the son of sweetness, Jared Payton. Just now on the show, which we'll have to get him on a little bit longer next time. You have to get into his career about sometimes he talks about he wishes he would have stayed playing soccer. He was a soccer stud in high school, didn't play, you know, what we call football. Then he did. He played for the for the U down there. He he knows Chuck Pagano, Reggie Wayne. He was down there with all those guys. And then he got to play. The coolest thing was when Jeff Fisher was coaching the Titans, you know, Walter's former teammate. Yep. Made sure Jared got a carry down on the goal line and got a. Got a TD in the NFL like his pops. So that I get emotional thinking about that. That's that's so cool. Man, there are so many Walter Payton memories that I have right there. You can't go to any like sports mm. bar or you know, Nothing. place like this and on a Sunday, there's always somebody wearing a Walter Payton jersey. This is one of the greatest to ever do. When you think about thirty four, that's the only thing I think about with the number thirty four. Oh, yeah. And he, uh, his his greatness, much like Barry Sanders, was Spent on some garbage teams too, which is yeah. unfortunate, you know. Yeah. But when you when you're that good, you end up usually on some crap teams, and you have to kind of toil. So I was I was so happy to see Walter break the record. I was happy to see him win a Super Bowl. But would have been nice to get a TD. In How that about Super that? Bowl. I remember watching Super Bowl twenty on NBC with Dick Enberg, and you know everybody you know they they gave it to Fridge. Fridge scored. Reggie Phillips was a backup. I think it was a rookie, backup, defensive back, had a pick six in that game. I mean, hell, everybody scored. And the fact that they never got it to Walter Payton, it was incredible to me. Ditka said in an interview years later, that's one of his biggest regrets. Yeah, it is. It is. Like, you're in the moment, everybody's like, oh, French, French. You think, oh, let's throw him, you know. And you you really regret that. You you lose sight of the the big picture. Walter Payton was beat the hell out of, too. I mean, he started, what, 75, he came out of Jackson State. And it was basically handed to him three times for the better part of what six, seven yeah. years at it's the still, beginning. There. It's still cool watching those videos. How his hands were so big, the way he would hold the ball, yeah. like and, a loaf of bread. Yeah. yeah. And then one time they got their quarterbacks hurt, so he just he was like the wildcat formation yep. the whole rest of the game. He was throwing passes and running. I mean, just an unbelievable athlete. And he, and you, as you said, 
a proud native Mississippian if like myself. You remember, too, Anthony Thompson, who will go down in history as probably the greatest IU football player, right? One of the greatest IU athletes of all time. Um, he did back in the 80s, and I'm assuming probably even before that, but certainly in the 80s, Walter Payton trained on a hill. Oh, yeah. He ran up a hill. Uh, near where he was up there. And I think he invited Anthony Thompson. I think Anthony Thompson, I don't know if Ernie, his little brother, had, but Anthony ran on that hill, trained on that hill. My my dad did that one time because my dad ran track in college Mississippi State, and they were doing some business. I never got to go to Chicago with my dad, but he took my dad to, like, practice. He's on the practice field. My dad got me all these practice jerseys, and he got to run up that hill because my dad fancied himself. Well, he's still, I'm a a track athlete, and he said it kicked his a word. I, I just, I always want to hear this. We'll get to Mike Wells coming up here too, but I always want to hear the divide that there was between head coach Mike Ditka and defensive coordinator Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan. But there wasn't a divide between the players. I mean, McMahon and the offense, those players got along with all the defensive players. I mean, we're talking, Jared Payton talking about, you know, if Steve McMichael makes it into the Hall of Fame, he's going to intro him into, into the Hall of Fame. They all got along, but the head coach and the defensive coordinator, the two largest personalities on a personality-ridden roster, didn't get along at all. That's like, you know, nowadays, I'm friends with a lot of people that hate you. So it's yeah, exactly. It's like that. <laughs> well, here's one that hates you on the Andy Moore Automotive oh, Group no, Highline no. from ESPN Radio. Let's bring on one Mike Wells. Hello, Mike. Mike's hung up on us. Hello, Mike. Well, Mike, hey, are you on mute? Hey, 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 yeah, you're right. I made a Zoom mistake, fellas. I had you guys on mute. But, uh, Jay, you got it right. There is some. You, you, there is somebody who who probably hates Hagen. He's African American, but his name's not Mike Wells, and he's currently <laughs> in the media. So. <laughs> I knew it wouldn't take long before he came out of the gates. Hey, hey, Mike, you think there's a deeply rooted hatred between that individual and Hagen here? Man, I, I'm just trying to find out if they've ever, if they've ever had a conversation since um, since Hagen gave away the planner. <laughs> And the other station was the only station at the end season tournament in Vegas. Uh, I mean, has there been a station on a Wednesday or a Sunday yet? After that championship game, I'm glad I wasn't the only station at the end season tournament. But here's the thing. Wells Wells and John, you guys have known me forever. And I think y'all know I love to laugh. I love to poke. I don't hate anybody. It's just some people don't have the same sense of humor as, as the three of us do. <laughs> I'm just saying, you guys could have you guys could have chatted it up over a, over a nine ninety nine buffet in Las Vegas or something. If, if you guys, if hey, the only hey, Mike, he's blaming that on AC right here, isn't he? He's blaming on that. I, I didn't say it. I didn't say You're anybody's you name have, or initials. I said well, some people don't think things. I, are I think people out there know that you dig at AC all the time. Look, Wells, every time Wells talks to me, I get shorter. I become three foot two. And you know what? I laugh at it. I give Wells hell all the time. I give you hell all the time. And it's funny. But some people just don't think stuff like that's funny, and that's fine. I mean, come on, C. Come on, C.H. Oh, Wells, did you make a list of all the things you were going to say as soon as you came on? Jeez. I, I, I had no idea you were going to be on the show. I thought it was going to be John and I talking about how the Patriots aren't playing any defense lately and how uh, the Colts are in prime position to uh, 
you know, potentially make a run at the division title and make the playoffs. But when I heard <coughs> that, you, that you were hanging out at Twin Peaks hanging, which I'm not surprised that you decided to go show up at Twin Peaks. Because for those who haven't been there, it is. You know what? It was just the time. I asked. I told John I was coming before he told me where it was, and then I, in that case, I said I'll get there early. But I do want to announce I am going to have the CH Charity Putt Putt Golf Tournament. That's going to be coming up. Everybody, that's that's not true. I'm not going to put in my time and effort. And I have given that person, I've given that person plenty of credit for the things he does. He does a lot for the community, and I just like to have fun with people. I give Calabro hell. He gives it right back to me. But, you know, that's how it is. I will say this, Wells, about the Pacers. To me, they look like an NBA all-star team. And by that, I mean they play no defense. They lead the league in scoring and they're last in scoring defense. So that, that's just, I mean, that's who they are right now. And Rick talked earlier this week about if we need to play, if we need to slow it down, if we need to make changes. He was pretty heated the other night when he talked when they lost on Monday night. But, I mean, I'll ask both of you guys. Are they just kind of are what they are right now? I mean, what can you do differently? Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, well, well before before I address Hagen's question, what I find interesting is, I mean, it was just a couple weeks ago I was on. I think, Hagen, you were probably at Bucky's or something or making another <laughs> video uh, when I was on with John. But the Pacers are still officially turned the corner. Of course, we addressed, talked about their deep mission. Now they're just a game over 500, and – I don't want to tell you they've lost them in a luster because offensively they are still a very exciting team to uh, watch. I enjoy watching that team still. I can't wait to go to uh, one of the games against the Celtics coming up in a week and a half. But with that said, as good as they've been offensively, their inability to guard JMV on the perimeter has them hovering at the eighth seed in the east, and it just it kind of it, it kills the fun and the enjoyment and the positivity that we have all seen out of this franchise through the first um, basically quarter of the season. No, and, and Mike Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I agree with that, but it is even more magnified, Mike, when they struggle offensively. It's even more because it's not like all of a sudden. They get better defensively. And, and case in point, earlier this week, after that embarrassing home loss that they had to the Clippers, and the Clippers went over 150 on them, and then it's like clowning and laughing, and Kawhi Leonard's laughing, and James Harden is screaming into the camera, and all that was going on at the expense of the Pacers. Rick Carlisle said after the game, you know, maybe it's a point where I need to slow this down, or I might have to slow this down. I don't know if they're built that way. I think that if you lose anything offensively, Mike, you're not going to look to regain that at all defensively. I, I don't. I, they're kind of in a spot right here of just kind of going with what they have unless they make a deal. Would you agree? Well, and that's, what, and that was what, that's exactly what I was going to say is this team is not built for the half court. And, I, and, John, I promise you I'm not taking a shot at your boy Miles, when I talk about this, but Miles yep. is not built to be able to go back to the basket, dump it into him, have him either attack it or read the defense. That's not Miles' game. We we have come to the conclusion Miles is an up and down guy uh, in transition. This team is not; they're not built to beat you in half court. If you try to play half court against them, they may be better defensively, but their scoring production is going to drastically drop, and I don't think it's going to equate to many, many more wins for them. Wells, you've covered the grind of a, a long NBA season, and you know every season, no matter how good or bad the team is, there's going to be ups and downs and streaks. And 
you know, a couple of weeks ago, everybody's so high on the team and this in-season tournament's going to be a springboard. And then you have some losses that maybe you expected, but then some, um, some embarrassing moments along the way. W- what can this team get back to? You were talking about, yeah, there'll be a top four seed. And I mean, are we looking at p- playing games? Are we looking at, you know, well, what is the realistic expectation you have now? Or are they just too helter-skelter to even, to even prognosticate? I don't think I don't think you can pigeonhole what they are right now. I mean, it's crazy that it was a year ago in December where we were kind of having the same kind of conversation uh, about about this team. I think you can't figure out what they are until they figure out if they're going to defend, if they're going to decide to play some better defense, um, then they can make, you know move up the ladder. But if they're going to continue to be the team that they've shown at times where they're giving up 140 plus points a game, they are going to be a playoff team that will be an early knockout. Uh, because they're going to be a low seed. It's going to, it is up to them if they want to decide to defend. And I think Rick Carlisle is just throwing out all kind of notions right now what they maybe can do. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Car- Carlisle is, is too damn good of a head coach. He knows their best chance is getting up and down transition because offensively they can't run those half-court sets that are going to lead to a lot of wins. He knows they have to play a fast pace offensively. But now but they got to put some pride and say we got to quit thinking that we're going to sitting here and just outscore every single opponent because we're going out and we're getting our asses embarrassed. You think Halliburton kind of ran out a little bit of gas? And that's what people have mentioned regarding the Pacers and really the same for the Lakers as well because of both teams losing after that in-season tournament won by the Lakers. But do you think that has anything to do with it? And especially at the top of this list with Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's their best player. He, he, he is their, he's the face of the franchise. I mean, Again, we were just talking about it, it when they were in Vegas in the season tournament, where Halliburton had that stretch where he was give, he was giving you a thirty piece along with ten eleven assists and not turning the basketball over. Now he's kind of hit that you know that end season rut that a, that a lot of players hit at some point. So he's got it. He has to find a way to get it going. I mean, you, you look at his last his last guy last four games all with at least four turnovers, three turnovers against Milwaukee. He had seven. At Detroit, I mean, we're talking about the straight boo-boo uh, Detroit Pistons, and he has seven turnovers against them. So uh, he's got to—he's got to get it fixed in order for the Pacers to get going because he does not—he has not had a game without a turnover since they beat Milwaukee in the uh, in-season tournament. That's the last time he had a game, and that goes back to a stretch of four, seven games since he had a game where he did not turn over a turnover. Had had a turnover, and he's had at least three turnovers in all seven of those games. Hey, Wells, we have historical data about what happens to the the team that loses the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl hangover. We've seen what can happen, but this is the first year with this in-season tournament. You know, it's a very small sample size, but, you know, know, when you get the long haul of the season, you might say, man, that was fun and exciting, but that did send the team kind of in a tailspin. Um, Is is that something that maybe you consider, wow, if if you lost lost to Boston, you wouldn't have been – playing that week where they got so geared up and so exciting and it was cool to watch in the moment. But as, as athletes, you know how they get up for certain games and certain moments. They, they put a lot into that. You can see how much LeBron wanted to put into that. So by, by nature, there's going to be a little drop-off after that. And in some ways, it is like a little in-season tournament hangover, isn't it? Uh, you know what? I, I'm not going to use that as a cue, Hagan. I mean, these guys are professional athletes. I'm not going to put it out there and say that's the reason why they've hit a low. Honestly, I think the Pacers are being what the Pacers that we've seen in the year past. They get rolling. 
They're playing great basketball. People, people start getting excited. Hey, I told you, I enjoyed watching those guys playing when they were on that run. They, they were a very fun team, but now they're they're looking like the Patriots team that, you know, and this time, unlike before last year, it was because Halliburton got hurt. Halliburton, you know, out there, he's just not playing well. So I think until the, to the, to the head of the snake gets going, I think it's going to continue. We'll continue to see the ups and downs of this team. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So you, when you were covering the Colts, if you would have seen two players get suspended for the final three games of the regular season in a very now mysterious fashion with, with really no answers anybody have found any place, what would you think would have happened? In this case, with both Isaiah McKenzie and Tony Brown earlier this week with the Colts. Well, the fact that their lockers are clean now, too, tells you that. Yeah, they, I think they, they took the they name plates off of it and everything. Yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, so you know, they went from saying this is suspended for the rest of the season to having their stuff cleaned now, probably packed up and put on and sent via UPS or snail mail to uh, the residents. <laughs> tells you that they did something very, very, uh, very, very serious. And I like it. I like the change psychics basically saying, hey, you're going, you're going to do things our way or you're going to simply go elsewhere. We're not going to put up with stupidity of things that you are going to embarrass the franchise on and embarrass yourself. So you might as well just go ahead and start looking for a new team. And that's, Wells, we were talking earlier about how Steichen has proven on the field his worth by utilizing the pieces he has, the healthy bodies he has, and putting them in a position to win. But also part of being a first-time head coach is you got to set the tone in that locker room and let them know what's what. So I think that is a is a testament to him as a first year guy coming into his own as well. Yeah, and I'll I'll say this: Colts make the playoffs. If the Colts make the playoffs, and especially if they win a division, they might as well go ahead. We talk about shipping things. Go ahead and start shipping that coach of the year to Shane Steichen on what he's done without so many key players, without Jonathan Taylor, without Anthony Richardson, guys getting dinged up, releasing Shaq Leonard, and saying we're making a, we're making a business decision for the franchise. Shane Sykin is a front runner for head, for coach of the year in the NFL, in my opinion. I, I think he's easily the leader. I thought it was going. To be, I thought the Houston Texans coach is right there. I think whichever team finished higher in the division, I think that guy deserves um, coach of the year. I'm curious your thoughts on this. And Chris and I were talking about this at the start of the show. So Michael Pittman Jr. after that hit last Saturday has cleared concussion protocol and is expected to play on Sunday in Atlanta, which is a rather quick turnaround considering what we saw. So basically he missed the second half of that game against the Steelers on Saturday. I have said this, and while he doesn't have the blazing type of speed that many of these elite level number one getting paid that way, wide receivers may fashion in the NFL for this Colts team. He is an absolute number one. You can always count on him, and he is essential longer term, especially when you're thinking about Anthony Richardson coming back and being the quarterback. really doesn't matter with him. Anybody can be the quarterback, and you can count on him. But he is, to me, a number one with this Colts team, whereas maybe other teams out there would not view him in that fashion. Would you agree? I got I to say, on a title-contending team, title-contending team, Michael Pittman Jr. is not a number one wide receiver. He's a very he's a damn good number two wide receiver. And I'm not trying to slight him right now. 
because I think he's going to continue to get better. I love his toughness and his ability to get out there and go get the ball, go get the ball and everything. Uh, but yeah, with the, with this Colts team, oh, he's easily a number, the number one wide receiver, the guy that you can really. I mean, my man, he got his body broken up last week, clear concussion protocol. Protocol. He probably would have went back into the game last Sunday had he not been ruled out because of the concussion. So I love how tough the guy is. I love. Love, love his toughness. Uh, but, yeah, uh, here he's the number one. Uh, a team is ready to go to Super Bowl. He is probably the best number two wide receiver in the NFL. I'm telling you, I think that you get pieces together, especially you add wide receivers to this right now with what you have, you know, with, with Pierce and then Downs. You add somebody that's kind of been there and done that. I don't know if you can. I know this is not a very big off season in terms of wide receiver and you're probably not looking for that from Chris Ballard anyway but you get somebody else that also can take some of that heat away I think he becomes even bigger and better and maybe maybe I'm a little bit over the moon on this because of his toughness and I I, you know what and that's okay to me because you get so tired of seeing guys for various reasons not be available and he's one that you can always count on and you can count on him with a rookie quarterback you can count on him with a backup quarterback he's always going to be there and do exactly what you ask and perform at that level so whereas he may not be viewed upon in that fashion in other places i believe he is here and when you talk about shane steichen if there's somebody that can utilize him to the best of his abilities to take him to a, a space in which maybe you don't think that he can go with those around him, I would have to think that's Steichen, the way that we talk about him right now. Hey, so let me ask, let me ask you both of you guys this. Yeah. Uh, first of all, hopefully Hagen's put his butt light down because I've, I saw a picture of you guys on Twitter and you guys got a nice big bucket of beverages right there. Um, what is it that you like best about what Shane Steichen has done this season? Couldn't hear you. We got stepped on there. What'd you say, Mike? I said, what is it that you guys like best that Shane Steichen has done this season from a head coaching standpoint? The, like you said, using the utilizing the pieces he's had available to be one win away from a winning season and still on the verge of, a, if not a division title, a wild card berth. Just given what the situations he's had, putting guys in position to win, adjustments he's made, and little savvy things he's done on game day. I mean, there's so many things, even the little nuances. He's been great. I, um, I, I would have to agree with what Chris had to say about it, too. I, you know, it's funny. I think you combine that with just the attitude. This is very Mike Demonish of me right here. But with the attitude that he has with what he has, he's going to do it and how he believes that he can do it regardless. And believe me, it's led him down paths that haven't been great. Miles Garrett comes to mind, certainly. But I think more times than not, you consider this team with this schedule and how he's worked with it to keep them competitive this time of year. I think you add that to it, the fact that it, he just he, he kind of goes with, with his gut. Go for it, go for it, go for it, even with this group. I think it instills a lot of confidence in guys that maybe Mike wouldn't normally have that level of confidence. I think that helps all the way around. Hey John, you know I like I te- I, te- I tease Hagen nonstop, so I'm gonna mess with you on this one, brother. Okay. Has this changed your thoughts on Chris Ballard? Um, well, I'm still in a wait and see mode, and I think that's fair. Like, there's there's nothing where it says, "Well, this is Chris Ballard's imprint on it just yet." But in terms of a head coach 
there is no doubt that he got that right for this group. And, and with that, which it may have been somebody else, or let's just say, for example, Jeff Saturday wins a game or two more, that he is still here. And things probably are drastically different right now because that's exactly what Jim Irsay wanted. Yes, I, I think we can look at that as being, if you want to say it right now, the, the crown achievement of Chris Ballard so far is finally getting that right. Correct? Yes, yes. Now, listen, from yeah. a roster standpoint, there's some things that need to be said. He failed to address, yeah. but I think he he definitely hit a he definitely hit a home run. It's good that um, two things that happened. Two things were good that the Colts stunk on the Jeff Saturday, and that Ursay you know saw that the Colts stunk on on this Saturday, and it changed his mind. Any thoughts of him wanting to have Jeff Saturday as a uh, head coach full time? Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate you more than you know. Have a great Christmas. Tell the lovely Layla and talented Layla and the rest of the fam I said hello. And uh, we'll catch up. Will do, brother. Hey, I got – hey, I'm going to be the uh, warm-up act. Are you on the air next Tuesday and Wednesday? Am I doing what? Where? Are you on the show? Are you doing your show next Tuesday and Wednesday? Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm back Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, brother. All right, yeah, because Tuesday, Wednesday – I'm on ESPN Radio, Sirius uh, XM Channel 80 from 10, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And so they can listen to me on Sirius XM to tune over to you at 3 p.m. So I'm like a warm-up back for you. Yes, I'm so You got it, buddy. <laughs> hey, you guys have well, a and, and join me. Christmas. Join me wherever we're out next week, too. Tell, tell Layla to have a great Christmas, man. We'll see you again soon. All right, fellas. I'll be good. <laughs> All right, love you, Will. See you, bud. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Quick break. We'll come back. The fellas have gathered. Twin Peaks is our location. Mud Light Blue Friday, northeast side, Castleton, 93.5107.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The fan. Hey, welcome back. Twin Peaks, Northeast Side. Bud Light Blue Friday. We got... Raiders Colts tickets to give away coming up here too. Happy holidays to it again. If you're on the other end of 82nd, which turns into 86th Street, if you're down by Keystone at the Crossing, ee. but if you're up here, you're in good solid territory right here. Great food, ice cold Bud Light for you. Your chance to win tickets and more. Jarrett Payton a little bit earlier. That was awesome. Hagen was here too. Bob Lovell and Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, still to come. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he is a part of the Believe Podcasting Network at the Falcoholic. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is Will McFadden who joins us. A little bit more insight, which is necessary on a Falcons team that comes in uh, to this weekend still late in the season, a, a little bit nondescript, and Will joins us now. If you were going to talk about what is the absolute staple and the positive for this team right now and has been consistent this season, who, where has it been on this roster? Uh, it's definitely been the defense, and I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited uh, to talk about the uh, the matchup a little bit, but 
I think the way that you describe this team nondescript is is perfect because one of the big complaints uh, here in Atlanta is is that this team is really just kind of the same team that we saw in week one. Um, the big surprise kind of coming out of week one and out of the early part of the season was the defense, and that was kind of the big question mark this offseason after adding a bunch of veteran free agents highlighted by Jesse Bates, Calais Campbell, David Onyemata. It was really, all right, if that unit can be just kind of league average, which it hasn't been for a long time, if the quarterback play can just be kind of like league average, maybe even a tick below average, you would be able to survive and you'd be able to make a push for the playoffs because of your run game, because of your offensive line, because you still have talented skill players like Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and you add Bajan Robinson, and none of that has manifested. But the most consistent part of this team this year has also been kind of the biggest surprise. It's just that in light of everything else, the defense is now taken for granted when almost, you know, 16 weeks ago, that would have been insane to think, but the defense is playing so well. They are really good on third down. They are are time and again put in difficult situations and come through when the offense puts them in a, in a short field. I mean, the Falcons have not allowed a touchdown in three of their last four games. I cannot remember at all the last time that that was true about an Atlanta defense. So going into this matchup and all throughout the year, it's been the defense that really has been the calling card for Atlanta. So Will McFadden joins us from the Believe Podcasting Network, covers the Falcons here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And I want to give a a bit of an update, Will, before I get back to you on the rest of of the Falcons and this matchup on Sunday is that Michael Pittman Jr., he cleared concussion protocol, so things are looking good. However, he is questionable on Sunday as it stands on the injury report right now with a shoulder. So hopefully what we were talking about earlier, him always being good to go and counted on, happens coming up on Sunday because there is no doubt that is a necessity. How does this Falcons defense look at this Colts offense? And in particular, let's just say, for example, he does play. That's Michael Pittman Jr. Let's just say, for example, Jonathan Taylor is back. How does this Falcons defense, in your estimation, view this Colts offense coming to this game on Sunday? I think they view it uh, as a unit that, you know, has a lot of different options and and has a lot of ways to win one-on-one individual matchups, especially on the outside, right? Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, like those guys can – can definitely play some some basketball, some volleyball downfield, which is not dissimilar to what we've seen Atlanta kind of favor when they're acquiring wide receivers, right? You have big bodies and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Mac Collins, who they brought in this offseason. And so I think you look at the Colts very much the same way. And I'm really curious if Michael Pittman does play. I would expect you know, not necessarily A.J. Terrell to shadow him, but I would expect to see – a good bit of A.J. Terrell on Michael Pittman. And the one receiver who really has kind of given A.J. Uh, the biggest problems throughout his career has been Mike Evans. And, you know, they, they are different players in some ways, but there are a lot of similarities between Michael Pittman and Mike Evans. And the Falcons did play a great game um, against Mike Evans the last time that they played Tampa. He only had one catch for eight yards. But this, again, is... Uh, type of receiver that has given A.J. Terrell specifically uh, a good amount of trouble in the past. 
But by and large, I mean, I think if, if Jonathan Taylor is back, the Falcons have been a good kind of run and hit defense, and they make it hard for teams to really sustain these drives down the field. However, the way that offenses have been able to move the ball has kind of been just running it right up the middle, especially as the defensive line, starting with Grady Jarrett being out for the year, but also David Onyemata missing some time recently. They've been kind of gutted in the uh, defensive interior. So Jonathan Taylor coming back would be huge, but maybe the biggest X factor is just Gardner Minshew. I mean, the kind of plays that he's able to make, I can't remember if it was a third down play or or what against um, Pittsburgh, where he just kind of scrambled out of the pocket down to his right, found um, a receiver down to the right sideline, made a big play to convert. And if you look at the teams that have beaten Atlanta this year, Minnesota, Arizona, Tampa Bay, like these quarterbacks who are able to buy time, get outside of the pocket and really create out of structure have hurt Atlanta, especially late in games this season. So that's kind of maybe the biggest concern of Atlanta's defense is how do we stop Gardner Minshew from kind of pulling the, the ejector cord on a play and then making something else happen? So, Will McFadden, the Believe Podcasting Network, covers the Falcons. Kind enough to join us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So, you implement earlier this week Taylor Heineke, um, certainly not a first-time starter. I believe he has three starts this season with Atlanta for Desmond Ritter. What type of difference, both good or bad, would you expect or influence would you expect to have on that game offensively for the Falcons Sunday? I I don't know if the overall look of Atlanta's offense is going to change too, too much. Um, I think you're still going to see a team that incorporates the run a lot, does a lot of kind of the pre-snap motion. The biggest thing is you'll, you'll notice just, guys getting to different spots, especially around the offensive line and line of scrimmage. So whether that's a fullback or a tight end or, you know, a pulling guard, they get to certain blocks in just kind of unusual ways, which is why I think last year we saw Atlanta have so much success in the run game. I I think this year teams are a little bit more prepared for it. So you're not seeing um, the same level of success. So I I don't think you're going to see just because a new quarterback is in there, like none of that stuff. They're still going to be kind of tight formations, fullbacks in the backfield, Atlanta looking offense. The biggest difference I think you'll see is that at age 30, like we know what Taylor Heineke is. There is no trying to kind of manage his confidence, manage his growth. I would expect the Falcons to come out and have a game plan that lets it rip a little bit. You know, they're still technically in the playoff hunt, but really after losing to Tampa Bay and then losing to Carolina last weekend in what is maybe one of the lowest moments in, I feel like, Falcons, at least amongst the fan base, if not like internally, it it was uh, just a real gut-wrenching loss to lose last weekend to Carolina because it essentially has ended their playoff hopes. They're still technically alive, but... I would expect them to kind of come out and just say, look, we got to swing. They've felt very tight offensively. So part of the reason I believe that they went away from Desmond Ritter is, is not only is are his turnovers just absolutely killing the Falcons. Like that has been the defining storyline this season is, is Desmond Ritter's turnovers in crucial situations. So you don't have that stigma with that quarterback anymore. You switch to Taylor Heineke, who's a little bit, you know, in that mold of the Gardner Minshew's that I was talking about of the Baker Mayfield, like that type of gunslinger junior. 
And uh, I think that they're just going to maybe come out and try to play a little bit looser than they have recently. But I would expect the offense to still kind of look pretty similar. All right. Uh, I'm kind of curious regarding Arthur Smith. And I'm sure that that is a point of conversation down in Atlanta. Where are you with Arthur Smith being the head coach of this team next year? Boy, is it. It is the number one conversation uh, down here in Atlanta. And so my co-host on Believe in Falcons, uh, Ovi Mahaley, former fullback for the team and and the Ravens as well, he is pretty firmly in the, like, let's just move on from everybody, start over, uh, you know, let's get a clean slate. I am – I think I put a lot of stock in what I saw from Arthur Smith the first two seasons when the Falcons weren't really supposed to be anything. They were just supposed to be rebuilding to this year, and then you kind of get the financial relief, and you can remake this team in the way that you want to. So a lot of people were looking at year three as truly year three. In my mind, this was always kind of year one of what they actually wanted to create. And so I look at more of, of year one and two as, wow, you guys did a lot with a little. And so I, I think I'm not willing to necessarily throw that all away just because you, you had a down year this year and a year where you definitely underperformed and playoffs were the expectation. But in my mind, I just kind of see the number of turnovers that Desmond Ritter had, kind of the lack of growth offensively, but I do believe the quarterback had a big hand in all of that. And so all of that kind of balances out and, and weighs out to me to just say, let's, let's give him one more year because I think you have two years of positives and one year of kind of disappointment, but that is easily kind of explained away from just being the coach's fault. Even though if you ask anybody on the streets here in Atlanta, they would say that everything is Arthur Smith's fault. I've seen a lot of people making excuses for Desmond Ritter, which personally I don't get. I have watched Desmond Ritter in training camp. I've watched him at practice. I've watched him warming up for games. I have watched him on game day. Like I have a pretty good sense of the type of player he is. I just think it ended up not working out at the quarterback position for Atlanta, but I still think that Arthur Smith is a quality head coach who I believe deserves one more year and they need to figure out the quarterback position this off season, but let him do like, let him make that decision knowing that it's a do or die, not just, Hey, we, we've got Desmond Ritter. Let's see what he, what we've got. Hey, well, you mentioned that defense being their calling card that you can count on so far this year and the Colts seven and three this year, when they, they rush for 70 yards or more, is that going to be obviously the lean is to take that away and to see if, if Gardner Minshew and Shane Steichen calling the place can beat you with the arm. You know, it's, it would seem that way, right? But I, I kind of think the Falcons have been an interesting defense. They're, they're a little bit of a, like a full count defense is, is how I like to describe them, where they're going to deliver their best stuff on third down, right? You may be able to get a an eight-yard gain on first down, but they're going to probably hold you for no gain and you're going to be in a third and two, and then they're going to get off the field. And even we saw the Panthers on one of their opening drives go for it on a fourth and one, and they stonewalled them in the backfield. And, and that has not been uncommon for Atlanta's defense. So I kind of think that Atlanta would be a little bit happier allowing 
the Colts to try to work these longer drives, these kind of 12 play 75 yard drives, as opposed to, you know, selling out to stop the run. They do like to play man defense. So that kind of, you know, could, that's why they're able to defend the run a little bit better while also focusing, you know, maybe some of their efforts on the coverage. But I, I think that they would be a little more afraid that an explosive play would get behind them and allow an easy touchdown. And they've really tried hard not to allow easy touchdowns this year. So that makes me think that they may be a little, even knowing that number and knowing the Colts record with, with 70 plus rushing yards, they may say, all right, we respect Gardner Minshew. You know, we respect Michael Pittman and the receivers and, and just kind of the options here. Let's, let's see if, if Jonathan healthy or Jonathan Taylor truly is healthy and go from there. So, you know, it'll be there. There are options all around for Atlanta's defense. To me, the key question defensively for Atlanta is like, how much buy-in is there still there from that group? Because this group has played well all year long. Like I said, they've allowed only one touchdown in in one of their last four games. And so this is a, a team that, or a unit that has a lot of pride, but also if they're out of playoff contention, you know, they've given it their all for, 15 weeks now, how much longer is that going to stay? Um, or at what point do they kind of say, all right, this season's over? Um, not saying they pack it in, but I, I think you get where I'm kind of coming from. Yeah. Hey, well, really quick, I got to hit a break here, but what's the crowd going to look like there? Christmas Eve afternoon Ooh, in Atlanta. That's a great one. You know, I was surprised by the crowd coming off of Thanksgiving, but that was the yeah. same. And that was coming off of the bye week. So I would expect a little bit of a smaller crowd than usual. It's not going to be as small as, as the one we saw in Carolina last week where they were giving out tickets for 48 cents. Uh, it's not going to be that small, but it, it, it may be a little bit underwhelming. Will, I appreciate you very much. Keep doing what you're doing on that Believe Podcasting Network. And thanks for shedding a little bit of light, which, frankly, people needed around here regarding that Falcons team. Have a great holiday, a Merry Christmas, and enjoy the game coming up on Sunday. Will, thank you. Thank you so much. Happy to do it anytime, and Merry Christmas to you as well. Will McFadden right there, the Believe Podcasting Network. So all you need to know, I bet you had no idea about that Falcons team in that capacity. Will McFadden, Automotive Group Potline, voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher still to come. Bud Light Blue Friday finds us on the northeast side, Castleton. It is Twin Peaks, which is absolutely packed right now. We'd love to see you up here. Your chance to win Colts Raiders tickets, too, and more of a great time. Ice cold Bud Light, great food, Twin Peaks, northeast side. Merry Christmas to you. We're back after this on 93.5 and 107.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hey, welcome back and Merry Christmas to you on this final Friday before Christmas. And again, we're back with this show on Tuesday, so you know. But still a lot of stuff going on this weekend without question around here, right? Obviously coming up on Sunday morning, the Colts pregame huddle. That is with me as we're officially underway at 10 a.m. 
Got that going for you as well, but on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. And by the way, with the guest list I mentioned a little bit earlier, I did not mention from Fox 59 Sports Director Chris Hagan, who was also on the show a little bit earlier. I think he felt a bit slighted by that. So Chris Hagan, also a part of it, as is our next guest on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, voice of the Hoosiers. Let's wish a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas to our good friend Don Fisher. Hello, Don. How are you? I'm doing well. Merry Christmas to you and yours. And uh, how can you possibly slight your brother from another mother? I can't believe you did that. <laughs> hey, he sent me a text all pissy about it. I gave a rundown of who I had on. He goes, hey, dumb. I think he called, he called me a bad name. Said, you forgot to mention me. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, hey, our table tonight for you, Don? Is that what we're doing? No, we are not doing that tonight. Unfortunately, mm. I had a little procedure done on my hand today, and uh, oh. I'm supposed to keep my my hand elevated above my heart, so <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying home. So <laughs> what happened with your hand? What's going on? Oh, I had a little a tr- uh, thing called a trigger finger a problem that I've had for about Eight, well, actually, it's been almost a year, a little over a year. Um, and it doesn't kill me or bother me all that much, except it's just getting sore and stiffer every day that I let it keep going. So I finally got it done. It only took me about a year to get it done. <laughs> are, are you feeling good, though, after the procedure? Oh, I don't feel bad. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Wow. See, when I, I, when I say I have a problem with my hand, it means something completely different. So, completely. <laughs> I am not going there. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you got to keep your hand elevated. How, how are we doing this? You just kind of hold, are you like a mannequin or something like that? You just kind of holding that thing up? You got it propped against something? Yeah. What are we doing? Pretty much. Uh, that would be the scenario. I'm pretty much. You're doing, like, hey, you're my... doing like the J.J. Evans pose that you did on Good Times, you know, with that hand kind of out like that. What are you doing? Yeah, all you got to do, yeah, all you have to do is just make sure you can actually hold your your arm up to your chest with your elbow below your heart and your hand above your heart. You're fine. You can uh, do it that way, or you could sit here like I do on the couch on the pillow on my couch, and I just hold my hand there in like the little L position, like I'm taking a backswing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Swing. <laughs> I'm thinking that I could come by and get you. And I could, we could go to our table. You could prop that up on the table. I think bourbon would do something good for you right now. A couple of them. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not going to take that chance. Oh, I understand. I understand. Uh, well, you know what? The, the best to you. It's a great time to have that, though, because then everybody can come to you on Christmas, and you can be comfortable and get, get past that and uh, finally get that procedure done. Hey, next time, don't wait as long next time, okay? Don't procrastinate with stuff like that. We can't have it. I'm, uh, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the box, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking to the uh, dullest pencil in the box, the most unsharpened of pencils in the box right here. Hey, um, I, what did you make of, of last night in, in terms of when I brought it up earlier with IU and their one over North Alabama? The only thing that really stands out to me is the fact, much like the Pacers against Charlotte the other night at home, it was just the type of game in a win, but the type of game that was necessary for IU last night. That's how I felt, I guess, as an end result. What were you feeling about it? 
I thought exactly the same thing. I, I felt like we hadn't played any mid-major this year like that. We had basically uh, had to battle our butts off just to find a way to win the ball game. And when I say we, I'm talking about Indiana. Uh, they simply had to play hard uh, just to win those first three ball games of the season against the mid-majors. We're talking about Army and Wright State and, and uh, Florida Gulf Coast and whoever. Um, and they they didn't dominate anybody at that point. And last night, I'm not saying that they completely dominated the team that they played in North Alabama, but they played them much better than they had any other mid-major so far this year. And I guess the other thing I would take from it was the fact that they were able to knock down eight threes in the ball game and 50% shooting from the three-point line, which for this team has been unheard of. So I was excited about those two things. Yeah. Um, who's impressed you the most consistently this season so far? We normally kind of make a mark, maybe draw a line in the proverbial sand this time of year and wonder, you know, who and how the team is doing. You could really get a good gauge where we are right now. But who above anybody else has stood out to you on that roster? Without question, Malik Renew. And I think I said this to you last week or the week before that I, I just think Malik is the most improved player on this ball club from a year ago. He has, without question, He's been the one guy that has been consistently tough. That's a good, good score. I think he plays hard at the defensive end, not smart all the time, but he plays hard at the defensive end. His footwork inside is terrific, and he does a great job with inside play when he gets those opportunities. And then last night, he knocks down four threes in that ball game and, and equals a season high and career high with 25 points. So, uh, he's had the 25 twice now uh, in this per- early part of the year. And so from that perspective alone, I think Malik has been the most consistent player on this team. He still gets into too many foul issues and, and makes some pretty seriously dumb plays sometimes away from the basketball. But uh, I give Malik a lot of credit. He has really improved over the last year as a freshman in Indiana, which sometimes freshmen are not going to be great Certainly last year he started out pretty nicely, and then he kind of plateaued for the rest of the year until maybe the last two weeks of the season. But but this year, everything from my perspective is he's been the most consistent player on the floor. Yeah, I'd agree with you. That's somebody, if you're going to count on somebody, he certainly has been that guy counted upon so far this year. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I do want to go back to last week. You and I were having a conversation about you know, who you thought was the most important going into that Kansas game. And, and, and you said Mbako, and that turned out to be 100% accurate, especially at the beginning. I mean, he started out like a house of fire. And I, I had mentioned yeah. Anthony Walker, and although in that game he was not prominent, I will give him credit. I think it took me at least one more game against Moorhead State for Walker to play that type of role that I thought he could. I, I, I wish, and I know you could do this for a lot of things in sports, you wish you could bottle something. I wish he could consistently bottle a level of play like that because I do think that his time on the floor and what he can add would be meaningful in making this team better. You agree? Well, I I do think that Anthony has been the best guy off the bench. When you talk about somebody that's come off the bench and played well in almost every ball game, I would have to point to him as being the one guy that's done that. Uh, so far this year, but he didn't have a great ball game uh, against Kansas. Obviously, he had I think just three right. points in that contest. But again, if you look at that roster uh, and what Indiana did from the minutes perspective, 
he didn't get a lot more playing time than anybody else on the team uh, that wasn't a starter. That, that That's one of the ball games where Indiana played the starters most of the contest. Um, so I, I take that game as kind of a one that you can't really count in regard to, to Anthony Walker. But he has been the one guy that's come off the bench consistently, made plays, done things, whether it was scoring, rebounding, or you know playing really good defense. I think he has done all of those things pretty well as a bench player this year. And I still think that this team has other guys that can step up. We still haven't seen Caleb Banks break out. We haven't seen C.J. Gunn, except for maybe one ball game, play the way we thought he was capable of playing so far this year. Um, and right now, that's a real, the bench is a question mark on this ball club. Uh, I mean, Gabe Cups, of course, should be coming off the bench with Xavier Johnson being out. He's had to start here in the last about five games now or six. But uh, and, and I think he gave us played really well, but you can't put that kind of a, a pressure on a freshman, uh, especially in this situation with guys that you didn't expect it to be on the floor as much as he's been on the floor. So uh, from my perspective, uh, if you're talking about a bench guy at this point, you're talking about Walker. And if you're talking about a starter, you're talking about Rendu. Yeah. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers with us. You get Kennesaw State on the 29th and then the rest – of the Big Ten campaign is officially underway. So at Nebraska, Ohio State, at Rutgers, and then Minnesota before the 16th, uh, facing number one right now, Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, all top 25 teams. Now, if you're IU, you can't overlook anybody. You're just not good enough right now to overlook anybody. But I would suggest this, Don, and I'm curious your opinion on it too. If if you have the capability – of changing what a lot of people think about you, getting off to a good start with that first four-game schedule that I mentioned would seem to be as important as anything. There's no doubt. And we're going to find out some things real early in the Big Ten season because the first game in Big Ten play after they get through at Kennesaw State, and Kennesaw State's not a bad ball club, incidentally, uh, even though they might be a mid-major, too. But if you remember last year, they gave Indiana a heck of a ball yep. game, and they got several of those kids back. And I've got a different coach, but they apparently are playing pretty well right now. I think they're like 8-3 and three or 9-3 and three or something like that at this point. So they're going to be a challenge, I think, before Big Ten play, which is probably a good thing. And hopefully Xavier is back by then. But when you look at that first game, that Nebraska game at Nebraska – and you look at what Fred Hoiberg's team has done this year and how they are playing, this is not going to be an easy game by any stretch nope. of the imagination. And so the challenge, of course, is always bigger on the road than it is at home. And on top of that, Nebraska, I think, is playing much better than they have since Fred Hoiberg got there. Without doubt, this is his best ball club, at least in my mind it is, based on what I've seen and heard. So I think this is going to be a big challenge, and I think that first game on the road is going to be, I don't want to say pivotal, but it's going to be important. And I think if Indiana could somehow pull that one out, that confidence level might rise pretty significantly for a Hoosier nation that is right now questioning whether this team has got it put together at this point. You know, and you're right. And then it goes a different direction if you don't win, if you're disappointing. And that's just, you really can't consider anything with the way IU has played even at home, you know, you, you consider Moorhead State the other night. You, you know, you look back at, at Army, you know, even Florida Gulf Coast. I know we're going far back here, but 
there's reason to have doubt in all this. That's why I think that you get an opportunity if you really want to take advantage of something before you go against three top 25 quality teams in the conference is, is, is try as best you can to take advantage of those first four games. I'm not, again, considering they're, they're not winnable in terms of, of just saying, well, it's IU and they're going to win those, but they're winnable in terms of level of competition and expectation, I guess, until IU proves otherwise. I just think those four games are really important and mark a, a really serious point, I think, in this season to start the Big Ten again for Mike Woodson and company. I agree. I do. I think I do think they're hugely important. I don't think there's any question about it. And right now, if you look at this league, I, I still think it's. I don't think it's as good as it has been in the past. I know that there's an argument to be made that here in this last week or so, we've seen a couple of teams really emerge a little bit more than than what they had been for a couple of weeks themselves. And I'm talking about Michigan State being one. They certainly have looked better in the last couple of weeks or the last week and a, and a half or so. Uh, Illinois is playing really well right now. Ohio State's playing really well. Wisconsin is a better team than they were a year ago. Uh, Northwestern has proven they could be <laughs> beat a really good team on a given day, and they certainly did when they've knocked off Purdue. Um, this is not going to be easy, uh, and I still think that this team that Indiana has has a chance to really become a much better ball club than what they've showed consistently so far this year and the consistency so far has been that they're inconsistent <laughs> they have just not been a consistent ball club so hopefully they can they can draw some confidence if they can come out and get a good start here in, in Big Ten play and the good news is they were able to win the two Big Ten games they played here in December which was hugely important Hey, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. normally when you, when you ask a question like I'm about to ask you the first thing that's brought up is, well, three-point shooting. They don't have shooters. All right, let's take that out of the equation for a moment. Let's think about one thing besides three-point shooting that you want to see become consistent. Prioritize that consistency to make them a better team once the Big Ten is underway. Other than, again, three-point shooting. What is that? I think it's defense. I, I think this team has to play a better defense than they've been playing so far this year. And I'm saying that because I, I've seen spurts. I've seen at times they can really, I mean, take the last eight minutes of that in the Moorhead State game. Now, Moorhead State's not a superstar team, but they're a good basketball team. And they have won the games they were supposed to win, and they've lost the games that they weren't supposed to win. But they gave Indiana more trouble than, than anybody else uh, that's been a, from a mid-major perspective so far this year. And, and why was that? Well, did Indiana come out with uh, no energy? Absolutely. There wasn't much energy coming out in that, bat, in that game against Morehead State. Was that a letdown over the loss to Kansas? Well, I don't know how it could be. You ought to be able to come back out and say, we ought to have fire in our eyes. We just had two straight losses here. We've got to get back in the win column. And that should be enough uh, of an adrenaline pump besides the crowd that was on there that night because that crowd was really good for Indiana, uh, especially against Kansas. And then even against Moorhead State, that, that crowd carried this ball club in the early going of that game because it wasn't Indiana's energy that was carrying. It was the crowd. And the fact that they were down 15 with eight-plus minutes to go, that shows me, and, and they did not allow but two baskets the rest of the way by Moorhead State when they came back. That tells me they can play defense. They, they've got it. I mean, they've done that before this year. 
Um, so this, I think the biggest thing we're talking about right now is this team has to have some identity. And if that identity is not three-point shooting or it's not going to be superstar offense or whatever the case may be, defense yeah. is your story. And if your defense isn't good, you're not going to beat anybody in this league anyway. So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, uh, coming back from a hand procedure. Feeling good right now. Hopefully you on any meds? Uh, I took ty- or some. I took some Advil. That was it. Yeah, I can't do pain medicine. It makes me throw up. Is that right? So, yeah, I guess that's a good thing, though, right? You don't really well, want to do it or have you know, to do it. I, so. don't, I, I don't like drugs anyway. I mean, I, I take ibuprofen for just about any problem that I've got in that sense. If yeah, if I have a problem, right. then I don't have many. That's the good news. The good Lord takes care of fools and idiots, and I'm a combo platter. So, anyway, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> hey, Kurt Signetti, what's your impression on the IU coach, uh, the new football coach? My man, my man is – he's like a buzzsaw, right, so I love far. It. I love this guy. I'm not kidding you. I mean, this guy has so much energy. I'm telling you, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's the same personality, but he's got the same vibe as Terry Hepner had. Yep. And I yep. and I say that with reverence because I absolutely, if you know me, you know I love Terry Hepner to death. I thought he was one of the finest people I'd ever been around, and I loved his ability to be a Pied Piper type guy from a recruiting standpoint. And I thought he was a really smart football coach. And obviously, he didn't last at Indiana uh, past the second year because of the brain tumor that he had, and and uh, and, and that the good Lord took him in uh, in June of that next year, and obviously. We only had it for two seasons, but those two seasons to me were special because you could just feel that there was something different about Indiana football. And I've gotten that same vibe here early with uh, with Kurt Signetti. I, I think this guy is a really good football coach. I think his record speaks for itself. Uh, you don't win every place you've been and never have a losing season if you don't know what you're doing. And he obviously has a formula. And he puts that formula to work. And, and what we've seen with his recruiting here in the early part of the season, it has been nothing but special in my mind. If you look at the kids he's gotten, the guys he got to come back, uh, and he's not taking everybody back. He's already said that. Um, and it's all about winning with him. And uh, he's done nothing but do that in his career. So I'm just I'm elated to see him. Uh, he makes me laugh when I watch his press conferences. Um, because he's very succinct in what he says, and he believes exactly what he says. So I like a guy like that, and I think he's going to be special without um, you. And, and I think it was stand to reason this is true, and I don't want anybody to get the impression that this is who I believe he is going to be, not in any sense, because there is so much work to be done between that and where he is, is right now. And I agree with you regarding Terry Hepner. That's something we had talked about when he was first hired. I had him on you know, his first day in Bloomington, and that's exactly who I thought of. But I also, because of his time spent with Nick Saban, I detect a little bit of Nick Saban in him <laughs> and the way that he answers questions with the reporters out there. I, I, I mean, I, you close your eyes, and you can tell he's been around that guy a little bit, as he has. I, I knew exactly who you were going to say. <laughs> I, I was thinking in my mind as soon as you started talking, I yep. knew exactly who you were going to say. And I can't argue with that. I think he's got a little bit of that in him. I don't think there's any question about it. But, and I don't, I don't know Nick Saban well. I, I've, been, I've never been in a press conference with Nick Saban. Uh, 
Uh, I did try to interview him, I think, when he was the head coach at Michigan State a couple of times. I don't think he would have me. <laughs> so, but but I, I do know that I've, I've seen a couple of his press conferences. And, yeah, I, he, he, he's a guy, and I'm talking about Signetti now, he's a guy that has just a tremendous amount of confidence about what he's doing. And I think that's what you have to have if you're a head coach. I mean, does anybody doubt that Bob Knight had tremendous amount of confidence in what he was doing? <laughs> so I've been around guys like that, and uh, which obviously Knight was one of the greatest of all time from a college yeah. basketball perspective, and my mind still is the greatest of all all time. But and I'm talking about coaching now, not necessarily personality. <laughs> yeah. But again, yeah. I'm talking about what I see in this guy, and there is definitely something there that I think is special. And there's an it factor in basketball players and football players and baseball players, and there's an it factor in coaching. And I gotta think this guy's got the it factor. Yeah, like Kevin Wilson had confidence, but it was a different air of confidence. It was like he was at times anointed because of the program that he had success in prior. And I, I think that Signetti acts like that, that he knows that he does have to sell himself right now, and he does that well. But he also, he's not going to suffer with any fools conversationally. I mean, no. he's just not. It's funny. Don, I like to listen to guys that I really haven't heard a lot of. I did the same thing with, with Shane Steich, and I listened to a conversation that he had, and I'm glad I did because – you know, he answers with, with five-word answers. It's like, yeah. yes, I think we're good. And you have to be, as you well know, more than I would, you have to be loaded up with two and three questions down the road because you know these are guys are going to be short. And with Signetti, you know that he has a really distinct BS detector. So if you try to BS him, he's going to call you out for that. And I, I kind of dig that a great deal. I mean, he wants you to be well-read when you talk to him whether it's the yeah. first interview or the last one. Yep. Yep. I, I, I think he's, I think he's exactly that. I think he does not suffer fools and there, there are a lot of them in our business. <laughs> 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 uh, but, but, you know, I, I think you're right. And, and I don't know what else I could say about him at this point. Cause I haven't seen him coach yep. a game. So, you know, all right. I can tell you is yep. what I'm feeling. And when I hear him speak, I feel certain ways. And when I hear him speak, I like what I'm hearing. It, it is not fake. And that when you bring up Terry Hebner, there was nothing fake. He was, a, he was genuine. Maybe the most yep. genuine person that had been around there, especially you know, in all these, you know, there have been nice guys, but I'm talking genuine. And that's what Signetti feels like to me. He is genuine, like it or not, that's who he is. And that's where we're going. Yep, exactly. So. So I'm, I'm with you on that. And uh, I, I, I don't I can't expound any more on him because I haven't been around him enough to know. But, yeah. But uh, have but you I, talked to him yet at length? I have not. No, I have not. I have not met him. Uh, he has been so busy and I don't want to bother him while he's busy. That's number one. Number two, I was set up for an interview that I was going to do for the website, for the IU website. And that fell through on the day that he had his opening press conference. So I because he was whisked away from that press conference. I never got a chance to just shake his hand and say hello. Um, and I know since that point in time, it has been nothing but a whirlwind for that guy. 
as he has explained a couple of times now here in the last couple of times that we've had a press conference or heard from him on a Zoom call, that type of thing. So yeah. uh, I just haven't been in there to bother him and, and really haven't had a lot of time to do that anyway. So he's been busy. I've been busy. I know he's gone right now. He's uh, back home, I think, or back in James Madison area to uh, wrap up all the things that he has to do from a personal standpoint. Uh, and so I don't think he'll be back until early January, and then we will have a chance to meet. And I will have a chance to interview him, and we'll obviously have a chance to talk. Ah, oh, man. And then, you know, you get that when you get uh, the former Pac-12 schools in here, you get more travel. You're excited about that, aren't you? Getting to go out west that far on a, on a weekend or a basketball-wise on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. You're pretty excited about that. You just have to bring up something really, really negative. Don't you? <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I knew. Well, I was going to go with NIL or Transfer Portal, but we've done that before. <laughs> yeah, we've done that. Yeah. We might as well bring up another thing that I'm negative about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, take care of that hand, all right? So oh, yeah. Do that. Take take care of that hand. And, uh, yeah, Kennesaw State on the 29th, and then you start the Big Ten season, obviously, um, with Nebraska on the road. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Since you're recovering, make sure that the fam comes to you. You don't go to them, okay? You stay relaxed. Keep the hand up. They're coming to you. <laughs> well, they, that's always the case on Christmas. They, they, my side of the family comes to our house on Christmas Eve, and Susie's uh, side of the family comes to the house on Christmas Day, and we have two days of houseful. <laughs> so it, it's a lot of fun, and they're all here. we got grandkids and great-grandkids and nephews and nieces and all kinds of stuff, so it's a good time. Yeah, I got I to gotta go down to GC on, uh, when do I go down? Oh, yeah, after the uh, pregame show coming up on Sunday down there. So we had, a, we had an argument this morning, me and my mom, because uh, she, uh, she's complaining about dogs coming up to her house, and I said, they're going to knock you down. And then uh, I said, you know, they probably wouldn't come around if you wouldn't go out there and drop food out there. There's a reason why they're coming around. <laughs> <laughs> and she got all pissed and hung up on me. <laughs> so, yeah. well, you knew that you shouldn't have probably said that, right? <laughs> uh, there are so many things. I can't tell you how I tiptoe walk on eggshells with so many of my conversations, and that's at the top of the list right there. I, I think well, about – remember I said a little bit earlier about thinking when you're talking to somebody short like Shane Steichen – Three to four questions down the road. That's yeah. how I do that with her and others, too, but especially her. I go, okay, where is this going to lead, and how badly do I want to talk about it? So every time. <laughs> well, I understand that completely. The problem is if I was talking to a coach, uh, especially the talk show, I've got to start filling time here, boys and girls, and I don't know how much of that time I can fill. <laughs> well, I, so I I'm glad when I did Shane Steichen – yeah, I know what you mean to. I did Shane Steichen. I'm glad I listened. I heard him do an interview someplace else, and I go, holy crap, I would not have been ready. And I was ready, in a sense, you know, for Q&A, but not ready for a window of time that you have to fill also during that, that Q&A because he is, so, he is so short. And there's some guys who like that. And um, it's called prep. I rarely, really want to do it, but I'm glad I did it in that sense, or I'd have been in trouble. <laughs> Prep is the only thing we got going for us, boy. 
<laughs> Other than that, I am 100% replaceable, and I realize that, Don. Thank you. <laughs> ah, buddy, have a great holiday, you and the fam there. We'll catch up again next Friday. We'll welcome in a new year and uh, talk up this Hoosier team, both sides of it. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, John. Merry Christmas to you and yours. It's a Merry Christmas to Don Fisher right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I had to call, honestly, getting back to my mom. I had to call some people to live down there. I go, hey, we, we, we got to do something about this. And I don't want to be mean or inhumane, but my fear is that one of these varmints are going to knock her down in the yard and she's going to like spend the night out there or something. So I'll break in a second, Nathaniel. Thank you. Anyway, that's my concern there. And then I go, hey, you know what? This wouldn't happen if you would stop feeding them. What are you doing? I got yelled at and hung up on today. The life of being me. Hey, Twin Peaks, though, that's a good part of it right now. Northeast side, Castleton, Bud Light Blue Friday, tickets to give away. My man Tony D is going to join us from Fans Place before the end of the show on the top of the hour. It is Colts Happy Hour coming straight at you. Michael Pittman Jr. cleared concussion protocol, however, questionable with a shoulder situation. That's a story we'll follow going into this holiday weekend. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Twin Peaks, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Twin Peaks Northeast side on a Bud Light Blue Friday. I'm handing out JMV Takeover shirts. And again, JMV Takeover, all requests Saturday night, begins once again for the 2024 campaign. New Year's Eve, everybody. The New Year's Eve spectacular. But while they last, JMV Takeover t-shirts to give to you. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline from Fox. Got the call coming up Sunday, Christmas Eve, as a part of the Colts and the Falcons down in Atlanta. Adam Amin joins us. Hey, Adam, thank you for the time. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you. How are you? All is well, my friend. Same to you and yours, man. Really appreciate it. I hope you weren't on hold when I was complaining about my mom hanging up on me, man. My bad if you were. You didn't, you didn't need to you know be privy to that I story. I didn't hear it, but we, who among us hasn't been in that situation before, right? Where, like, I, I've had the same spot happen before. She gets a little confused or she looks at the phone. She thinks she's talking to me, and then she hung up the phone. Like, we've all been in that spot before. It's okay. Yeah, she, she, she's got, like, I live in a, or I grew up in a rural area in southwestern Indiana, and she still lives there on 40 acres, and she got dogs coming down there, and they're going to knock her sure. down. She's 78. They're going to knock her down the yard, and I go, hey, we got to do something about this, and then I find out that she's feeding them. So, I mean, hell, no wonder they're showing up down there. So this is, That was the perfect encapsulation for you and I. To, to bond right there about our about our mom's lack of uh, understanding of technology at times, brother. Oh God, it just I called somebody. Go, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do, but anyway, yeah, I'm glad you can relate to that, Adam. Um, relate the Falcons to the Colts, two teams seemingly 
going in different directions right now in that matchup you got the call of on Fox here locally on Fox 59 coming up on Sunday. You know, it's funny. I was just thinking about this today. Look at the quarterback situation itself, right? Uh, and I know you're, you're absolutely right. You know, Colts have won five of six, and Falcons have lost two games that they absolutely should not have lost uh, because of some poor uh, mistakes on both sides of the football defense against Tampa and then uh, the dreadful interception late in the game that Desmond Ritter threw against Carolina. But the storylines are very similar, right? Two teams fighting for a playoff spot. Atlanta's trying to get back into it. Colts are trying to hold on. Taylor Heineke is going to step in now, a quarterback this week for the Atlanta Falcons, which is a big story. A guy who's kind of been in some of these spots before. You know, he's been in a playoff game. He started a playoff game a few years back for Washington against Tampa Bay. He was in a similar situation last year when he had to step in for the injured Carson Wentz when Washington was fighting for a playoff spot. And then he got benched uh, for, for Wentz when Wentz came back and he ended up losing a game. So it, it's, it's fascinating to see. Gardner Minshew in almost a similar spot, a guy who wasn't the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, is not one of the rookie guys or younger guys like a Desmond Ritter who's in his second season or an Anthony Richardson who's a high-level draft pick. You know, rookie expected to, to do a lot of big things this season. Neither one is the starting quarterback. So you got Minshew and Heineke who didn't begin the season at the helm, and they're fighting for their shots right now. I, I think there are two teams that have running backs that – or have running games in general. It's not just one guy on each side, but running games that want to be properly utilized. I think the Colts did a great job. Gardner Minshew played a great game against Pittsburgh last week to try to get some of these guys that maybe uh, aren't getting as many reps because of the injuries that they suffered. Guys who who don't get the same amount of opportunities to perform at a higher level. And, And frankly, the Falcons have had a really good roster this season uh, on the offensive end, especially, and just haven't gotten the most out of it. So it's fascinating to see some of the storylines that are paralleled and, and see how different they can be as well for these two teams right now. Adam Amin's got the call, along with Mark Slareth and Christina Pink. That's Fox 59 here locally coming up on Sunday. You can check it out on Christmas Eve. And Adam's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What have you made here nationally of the story of the Colts from – the research, the prep work you've done, just observing them from kind of the outside in on this matchup. What have you made of this type of season and where this Colts team is presently? I think impact plays on defense, even though the, even though they've, they've had some games where they've given up a lot of points, and obviously the numbers aren't exactly where you'd want them to be, especially relative to where they were a season ago. But they make impact plays, and that's the biggest thing I see from – from good playoff caliber teams is that they're able to generate a pass rush, generate takeaways through their pass rush. And I feel like that's something that the Colts have done over the course of of the season overall. Uh, To have this type of pass rush without having to generate a lot of extra players on the rush, to to be able to rush just for maybe once in a while bring an extra guy, uh, but, but not have to focus so much on bringing a fifth or sixth guy on a significant amount of plays and still be able to generate big plays on the quarterback and then errant throws that lead to a lot of takeaways, that's been really impressive to me. And, and that's something I felt like they did lack last season, even though they had similar talent. I feel like they've, they've really made a huge jump in that role, in that, in that uh, facet of the game. And then offensively, I mean, Shane Steichen, you know, he comes from a great spot in Philadelphia, and you never know what it's going to be like, right, when you get a really high-quality yep. coordinator – who's had a really good reputation with quarterbacks and calling plays, but now you got to be the CEO and now you got to run things. And I know Gus Bradley was much maligned last year on the defensive side and he stays on staff, 
So you never really know what you're going to expect, especially in the modern era of coaching where the leash is not particularly long. Uh, I've been really impressed with Shane. You know, to navigate through the Anthony Richardson injury, to have to battle through some of the injuries on the offensive line, in particular Braden Smith. It looks like he's not going to be able to go again on Sunday with that knee issue. So to be able to do some of the patchworking that this team has done, not only a quarterback, but at a couple of key spots, uh, I think this has been a really impressive effort, man. I, I think D'Amico Ryans is probably my NFL coach of the year right now, but I think Shane has made an incredible case to, to be up there, uh, to have this Indianapolis team where they are, all things considered, especially the quarterback injury, I think has been really, really impressive. Yeah, you know what, Adam, too? you kind of makes you wonder how these final three weeks of the season will kind of mm. play that out, too. Because I mean, you, you look at the Colts right now and, you know, obviously the matchups in the final three where they are, but, you know, C.J. Stroud likely not going to play for a second consecutive week. And, you know, that yep. they survived that with Case Keenum last week down in Nashville, but you wonder how survivable that is here moving forward. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that question plays out in the final three weeks of the regular season here. It's about as favorable as you could ask for, right? Right, man, like this is about as good as yep. you could ask for because you got a, a new quarterback coming in. I'm not, and Heineke started a couple of games already this year. They've both been losses, and his defense didn't play particularly well, and they made some mistakes in those games. But it's a different quarterback all of a sudden coming back in with a lot on the line for them. Las Vegas has been an up-and-down team, and I think Antonio Pierce has done a really nice job settling things down after the dreadful start. But, you know, that's a bad quarterback situation in Las Vegas right now. And you'd hope, you know, if you're a Texans fan, that C.J. Stroud is back by the time you get to Week 18. But who knows? And, and who knows where that where that organization is going to be in the next like in the next two weeks. Because like you said, you know, they survived last week, but now you got Miles Garrett on the other side for Cleveland when, uh, when Case Keenum gets ready to start. So who knows how that's going to play out. So this is about as favorable of a schedule as you could ask for. They're, they've won a lot of key games for tie-break purposes. The, the game in particular last week against Pittsburgh, and they got some help as well. So they're in good position. This is about as favorable of a – setup as you can ask for to just win three games that are perfectly winnable games and get yourself not only to maybe you know not only maybe into the playoffs but maybe even compete to win this division depending on what happens with the Jaguars so this is this is a really good spot for a first year head coach that lost his starting quarterback this is really good this is good stuff in Indianapolis right but Adam Amin joins us at Fox again he Mark Slareth and Christina Pink with the call coming up on Sunday on Fox 59 here locally. You had no idea that you're hanging out. We're just kind of two Missouri Valley Conference dudes hanging out right here. You had no idea of that, <laughs> That's did what you? I like there. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, like Indiana we're, State I'm, I'm right here, guy, by the Indiana way. State guy? That's, that's awesome. my, my Sycamores and Josh Shirts look really good this year, too. This is, this is going to be a competitive year in the Valley, I think, by the way. And I have a lot of I – have, I have a soft spot in my heart for Terre Haute. I hope you realize that because – Oh, yeah. First, well, I'll tell you what, first, Adam. You and me, man, seriously. <laughs> Next time you got some time, when they open up that casino in Terre Haute, you and me. <laughs> That's seriously. not plan, brother. Like, first game I ever called in my entire life that was on the radio was, uh, was a college baseball game between Valpo and Indiana State. In Terre Haute, nine nothing Indiana State. I only called the middle three innings as a freshman in college, and Indiana State scored all nine of its runs in those innings. They shut Valpo out nine nothing, and I've been in love with doing the job ever since. So I've got a very soft spot in my heart for Terre Haute. Good lord, that's awesome! I did an ISU baseball game back in 1993 on a spring break trip 
we went down to Louisiana. We started it with the privateers of New Orleans, and we finished mm-hmm. it at LSU, and they were like top five. And I had to do the LSU game from a payphone in the concourse. <laughs> <laughs> just relaying stuff, man. Even I thought I had a bad just doing it over the over the you know the the landline phone with the bad uh, bad mixture with the phone uh, phone mixed into it. I thought I had a bad man. You were making it work as best as you could. Let me tell you this: when they get that casino done in early 2024, Terre Haute's going to become like the Monaco of Western Indiana. So be ready. All right. That's what I've always referred. I've always always referred to Terre Haute as such already. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like now. <laughs> Is uh, Zach Levine going to get traded before the trade deadline? I mean, obviously you do the Bulls games as well here. What are we looking at there? You know, I'm not sure if he's going to be traded. I. Uh, there's a little bit of hope, I think, for Zach to come back with this group and see if he can implement himself into what's been a much better operation. They've won eight of their last 11 with without Levine. And obviously for optics, that doesn't look particularly good when you're trying to raise a player's trade value. I don't know what the market is for Levine right now. I do think there are a couple of teams that are in discussions. I think the Lakers and the Kings have kind of been at the forefront of, of those discussions. But at least that's what's been reported here in Chicago. But I do feel like if the market isn't there, you don't have to trade him, obviously. It's not like he's on an expiring contract or anything like that. Like, he's still under your your salary cap and all that stuff. So I wonder if if he does stick around and comes back healthy, can he implement himself into what they've been doing? Because the pace of play, the ball movement has just been significantly better. And I hope a player as talented and as athletic as he is would kind of be able to figure out how to fit in with that right away. Otherwise, you know, it becomes it becomes too much of a ball-stopping offense, and you don't want that right now, at least based on the results that we've seen this year. You know, you, you ever think about, too, Adam Amin joins us. Before I let you go, um, the, the broadcasters coming from Chicago, doing Chicago teams, and obviously you do the Bulls, you're on Fox. Um, that has been a who's who of greatness right there. That has to make you feel good that you're you're now a part of that, and and upholding what has been just a long-standing tradition of great names, great voices, and great talent there. Man, that's got to make you feel great. That's really nice of you to say, man, and it does. I, I, I thought about that the other day when, when I was kind of reflecting on a couple things. And, you know, just, just with the Bulls alone, Jim Durham and Wayne Larrabee and Tom Dore and oh. Johnny Red Kerr and, you know, going yeah. back to Jack, even Jack Brickhouse and, and everything, everybody who's done games for the Cubs, whether it's Harry Carey or Len Casper or Chip Carey or, Steve Stone, there's just this this great tradition. I'm I'm thankful to be colleagues with my friend Jason Benetti, who's now going up to Detroit to to be the new Tigers broadcaster, and he's one of my colleagues at Fox. It's it's I'm I'm really thankful, man, and that's uh, that's really kind of you to say because it's uh it's a it's a great line of people that we've had in this city and and with the Bulls and and all yeah. the teams here in Chicago. I, it's really kind of you. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I did Jeff Joniak, and then you, you bring up oh, Larravee, too. Yeah, Le, Le, yeah I mean, Larravee Le, was one of my all time favorites. I mean, he just his voice, I mean, used to obviously speak Chicago, but I mean, really, just in general, there's always kind of a big game voice, man. And I know you're following in those footsteps. Congratulations on all that, too, because uh, that's, that's pretty special being in that market in sports and, and being able to do that. And to have a great broadcast on Christmas Eve, too, down in Atlanta. We'll be watching here, obviously, on Fox 59. Adam, great conversation. Have a fantastic holiday weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll catch back up sometime soon, especially when they open that casino in Terre Haute. <laughs> you and I are going to go over there to the Monaco of Western Indiana. 
Sounds like a plan. I'm looking forward to it, and you have a great holiday as well, my friend. I appreciate it. Adam, thank you very much. You got it, pal. It's uh, Adam Amin right there at Fox. You've got both Adam Amin. Uh, you've got Mark Slareth and Christina Pink coming up from Atlanta on Sunday. Remember, Chris Hagan and Chris Lick will have their show prior to that as well. A game you'll be able to see on Sunday on Fox. Adam Amin on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Tony Donahue of Fans Place on the other side. And then top of the hour, we'll get to Colts Happy Hour. Get you set a little bit more for this holiday weekend bonanza down in Atlanta with the Falcons and the Colts coming up next. Live from Twin Peaks, Northeast Side. Happy holidays to you. 93.5107 by the fan. This sounds like another holiday classic right here. Is this I Saw Mama Kissing Santa Claus by John Mellencamp right here? Indeed. Hey, Dev's the onside engineer. Nathaniel does a great job. Past two days in for a sick James back at the studio. Thank you very much. Uh, Adam Amin was awesome. Um, Tony Donahue from Fans Place. You better go ahead and mount up here, brother. There it is, right down there. Tony Donahue of Fans Place is here. We're live at Twin Peaks here. Bud hey, Light Blue Friday. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Um, Adam Amin is a Valpo grad. Yes, yeah. You know, we talked absolutely. a little Valpo just a little bit earlier. Will always, to me, be the Crusaders. Never again will I call them the Beacons. What are they now? The Beacons. The Beacon? Yeah, great school, great place to be, but they'll always be the Crusaders to me. The, but yeah, it means great. Bulls the guy. Beacon. The Beacons, yeah. They're the Beacons is in S, plural? B-E-A-C-O-N-S. The Beacons. The like Beacons. the Beacon of Light, which I think it's like a... Not like the moving company? Is that Beacons too? <laughs> no. Their logo <laughs> now is a lighthouse, which is like probably the lighthouse out in Michigan City, which is still thir- 20 minutes from where Valpo is. So yeah. wasn't a big fan of the uh, of the name change of, of old VU. We were talking about Jason Benetti going from the White Sox. To the Tigers, my gosh. Well, you know that uh, when the White Sox are in disarray, when the lead play-by-play guy is leaving to go to the Tigers. We get the hell out of Dodge here. It's tough being a White Sox fan, I'll tell you that. State of Michigan. Like, the the, what used to be Comiskey Park's a nice place to go watch a game, isn't it? Yeah. Maybe not so much nice around it. My mom likes the State of Michigan. She goes to uh, Western Michigan University all the time. Oh, really? she tells me it's where the cheapest weed is up there. So. Oh, well, I think I that's the only thing Michigan has yeah. going for yeah. it is yeah. weed. That's yeah. she, it. My mom, she's like, you want to go to Western Michigan University yeah. with me? I was like, what? Weed? That's about what? it. Yeah, that's about it. All right, Fans Place, what do you guys got going? Yeah, uh, big time contest coming up this weekend. We've got Colts tickets to that last home game next week, New Year's Eve. Download the app. Get in the Colts contest coming up against the Falcons. Answer the 10 of those predictive questions for a chance to win. We'll have a tiebreaker question in there as well. Uh, get to some of our bars like Twin Peaks. Check yep. in, get some bonus points. Uh, but yeah, big time Colts game coming up next week. You know you want to be there. So great way to be there is to win free tickets through us. Download the Fans Place app now. It's on my Twitter. I sent it to you as well. Uh, people can get a hold of me if they can't find it, but it should be in your uh, your app wherever you download and uh, answer those questions. And that's going to be a big game coming up. I think they win on Sunday and then next week, I think it could determine whether they'll have a home game in the playoffs or not. Really? Hey, text Sabatini and see if he wants me to come over and DJ tonight. Man, I really wanted you to do yeah. it on New Year's. I forgot that you were, we had yeah. a Mineshaft Saloon oh. for you to do that there, but I didn't know that you were doing the yeah. uh, the takeover, but that would be cool. Yeah, we I should. could have done it on the 30th, and I thought, you know, I got to go with the tradition of New Year's Eve. Yeah, so. yeah, text yeah Sabatini, we thought about it. So. Text Sabatini, if he's over there tonight, maybe we'll have to go over there and DJ a hey, little bit. Hey, we go to Rock Lobster. Shout out Average Joe's. Left some Bud Lights, some Michelob Ultras. Yep. Have a great time.
All right, fans place with Tony Donahue, yep. man. Thank you, Tony D. Hey, have Good a great Christmas. You. Thank you very much. Shout out to Zinc for having us. Hey. We're here at Twin Peaks. I got this for you, man. Jim Zink right there, everybody. Hey, quick break. We got to come back here. We still have plenty of time for you to join us. Colts Happy Hours next. I got to thank everybody here as well. It's great to see everybody. We'll talk with you next. Colts Happy Hours coming up on the other sideline of Twin Peaks. 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Don't go anywhere. You guys have a great Christmas, too. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.